Martin banks it off. Sutter is up with it there. Right around in front. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Leading goal scorer on the team. Drew one in front. It's the TC Martin Show. A tie game on the power play. Hodgson was at the front of the net. They are even. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. A power play goal by the captain. TC Martin. It's brushed on back by Richard Fox. Right up front. Younger Bennett side of the net. Is now in. And a good Wednesday to you, TC Martin. Today is about our good friend Ballpark Frank, VGK Frank. Today, Frank is the star, and today we pay homage to our our friend who passed over the weekend. And we thought that we would take today and make it about Frank Harnish. Uh, my partner, co-host for the better part of the last year and a half here on this show, uh, a colleague for many, many years, and we talked about it yesterday, uh, talked about his, his sudden passing over the weekend, a man who was diagnosed with cancer about six months ago, battled hard, fought hard, uh, visited with us on, on a regular basis. Uh, hoping to get him back here in this chair or on our locations at the Cosmopolitan, wherever we've been. And um, unfortunately, his, his battle with cancer ended over the weekend. And may he rest in peace. And he is a guy that we all love. If you've been in Las Vegas for any sort of time, you know the name Ballpark Frank, VGK Frank, since, since 2017 with the Vegas Golden Knights. And uh, just been on the airwaves for nearly three decades. Uh, you know, most of his radio career with Lotus Broadcasting on the music side, the sports side. And the bottom line is he was a versatile, hardworking radio broadcaster, a radio pro. But the bottom line was he was a great friend to everybody. So today, what we want to do, we want to talk about Ballpark Frank. Three o'clock, our next hour, we are going to fill that hour with some great vintage audio sounds from Frank from the show. Uh, We are going to have a plethora of our regular guests, uh, former colleagues that uh, worked with him, and then just downright good people and good friends of him that would like to pay their respects and their homage. So today's about thoughts, reflections, and memories for our good friend Ballpark Frank. Uh, this hour, uh, Trevor Manich is going to join us. We are going to talk college football playoff uh, rankings that came out last night. We'll dive into that. But again, for the majority of the show, specifically the next hour, so hang with us. Hang for the entire show if you can, because it'll be fantastic to hear some vintage Frankisms, Frank moments, Frank one-liners, some great banter and conversation, and hear from a lot of his closest friends. We're not going to be able to get to everybody uh, the phone's been blowing up. People have been texting. Uh, we need a week to do this type of tribute and this type of show. But we are going to do our very best to reflect and give some great memories with our good friend, Ballpark Frank. And I want to start the show with uh, two gentlemen who have known him actually longer than I've known him. 
Uh, Brian Blessing, of course, does a fantastic job uh, before us here for his two hours on Sportsbook Radio and, and the uh, Vegas Hockey Hotline. Uh, Chris Wynn, C. Wynn, my man, who is uh, always there uh, for me, along with Ballpark Frank, has always you know, been part of this show, filling in for me when I've uh, been on vacation. Uh, appreciate both you guys being here. Um, and I just wanted you guys during this first segment to, to share some memories uh, with Ballpark Frank. And like I said, a little bit later on, uh, we're going to be filling up the phone lines with a lot of other good friends and colleagues. Let me channel uh, my inner Frank and say, lighten up, Francis. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, start laughing, you know. And, yeah. and so. And we got plenty so, of that, so, brother. So yeah. just in that vein, Chris wins here. Plethora means a lot. No question about it. Just, just no case, question just about it, Brian. that flew over your head. And as TC kind of touched down, right, uh, Ballpark Frank Harnish, uh, all three of us here, had an opportunity to work with him for a number of years. Myself uh, was with him. Obviously, TC talked about his time over at Lotus Broadcasting. I started my radio career down the dial uh, with a show with uh, Jimmy Tuma, as well as Pat Casal, where we did a radio show uh, through Fox Sports Radio. Back in 2008, and then we were, we became affiliated with Lotus Broadcasting, and then we ended up moving over there and doing the show. And uh, over the course of the next six, seven to eight years, I pretty much uh, as was a Swiss Army knife over there, filling in on every show at uh, Lotus Broadcasting. And of course, Ballpark Frank was a fixture on many of them. And Frank was uh, a host on the show at Fox Sports Radio at the time for for five or six years between the period of 2010 and 2016-ish. And, uh, of course, a lot of hockey fans here in town remember that he was the original host of the Vegas uh, Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show as well as the post and pregame. Let me tell you the story about that. Yeah, and uh, and so... Save you know, that for another time. No, when we're no, talking no, about... No, but no, you know no, what I mean. No, no, when you're talking no, about... No, 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 no. But you guys know. I'm not the whole story. Right, right, exactly. No, no, no. No, no, no. Listen. But he was I a could, voice. He was one of the original well, voices, no, you, right, when it came no, to no, hockey. The story is... In Vegas, yeah. This is about Frank. But I got here in 2005. We started doing radio shows with LVSC. Then it got to the point... I'm now doing the shows by myself. But like you, I would be over filling in at Lotus, when right. getting in, starting to do, fit in a little bit in the, in the community. Mm-hmm. And I would talk about hockey. And I was literally ter- told in no uncertain terms at the time, don't talk about hockey. Nobody cares. And I'm like, all right, kids. Well, let me tell you something. There'll be loads of room on the bandwagon when the first professional sports team that comes to this city is a hockey team. And... Sure enough, that's what happened. But so then a year or so goes by, and then all of a sudden I branch out and I start doing brokerage shows. So I'm buying the airtime. Guess who's talking hockey? I mean, I'm paying to be on. So Frank, who was on his own shows and doing all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff, they, they had Frank run the board for me. It didn't take 10 minutes. Frank wasn't running the board for me. Mm-hmm. Frank became... Part of the show, right? It was a, a he was a co-host, mm-hmm. and we talked hockey, morning, noon, and night. We talked everything, and he was a diehard Blackhawks fan, and you know all that. And God bless Frank, he was one of the most miserable people I've ever met in my life, and that was part of his charm. Mm-hmm. It was the, I mean, it was a dry wit, you know, it was mm-hmm. a dry wit, and he, he laughed at the dark side of things, and 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 you sent me the. 
text, you know, uh, what Monday morning, mm-hmm. right? And it was a pun- it was a punch to the gut because mm-hmm. we had all talked to him last week, and he was really really making some inroads. We thought, and we really were hoping for the best. So it really was a shock. But the the to your point, we loved the guy. He just he was the most down to earth, great guy you'd ever meet. When I got here in 2015, Frank was one of the first guys that I met uh, at at Lotus. And one of the first words that came out of his mouth when we were talking about where my show is going to be was you, was Brian Blessing. And you guys were tied at the hip. And that was my first indoctrination into Lotus and introducing Frank because I saw you guys work together. And he just thought the world of you. And like you said, I I know where it started with, you know, running the board. I I know that story. But like I said, it was like he was your your co-host. I mean, you guys were were tied together. He loved working with you. And uh, and I remember those days, you know, and I know that you have tons of stories because, like I said, you guys go way, way back. Give me a good give all of our listeners just a, a good ballpark Frank story. Whether it's on the air, it's off the air, whatever it is, I don't know. I don't know that there's one. I, that's, I, I know there's not. No. I mean, there's tons, but yeah. But it, I mean, when I'm, I'm clowning around, Frank was like blunt force trauma, right? I mean, he would always tell you what he thought, and he he didn't sugarcoat anything, and it was part of his charm. It was like you know, and he loves sports. He's a Buckeye nut bar and a Blackhawks nut. I mean, he, he lived for those two teams. And and honestly, during that those stretches of times we're talking about, the Blackhawks were winning cups. Right. Never seen mm-hmm. a guy happier. Mm-hmm. I mean, him and Chuck Esposito, our buddy at, sta- at stations, a big ch- uh, Blackhawks fan. Oh, those, those two guys, I mean, you needed... You know, like battery acid wouldn't have wiped the smile off their faces, right? I mean, that was the happiest time of his life. He just loved his Blackhawks. And TC and Brian, as you can imagine, myself being a Midwest guy, uh, that's a big part of why I hit it off with Frank. Myself and Clay Baker as well, too, two Michigan guys, right? There was always great banter back and forth when we were talking Ohio State Buckeyes and Michigan State and talking Detroit Tigers baseball, talking Lions-Bears, because he was also a big Bears fan as well, too. And, of course, the Red Wings-Blackhawks, you know, banter back and forth was always a lot of fun. That's why I'd be, I mean, we, that's, I think, why we hit it off and we became very close friends. A lot of great times where I got out to remotes with him when he yeah. was hosting Monday Night Football up at the cannery on the north side of Vegas. Uh, th- again, this is back in 2010, 2011-ish. And uh, he was a fixture around town. And he was, you know, people say it a lot about people in the media saying, you know, well, you know, once they pass away or something happens, right? Well, he was a great guy. He was, but with, with ballpark Frank Harnish, right? You're not going to find a more approachable individual that worked in the sports media and that worked in, uh, in radio in this town, of anybody in the media, and that includes all of us. I mean, he well, was approachable, and he was a guy who was never afraid. To Brian's point, he loved a little debate. 
He loved to get a little frisky, right? <laughs> loved to chop it up when it came to sports oh, oh, yeah. and, and on that angle. And it happened at those remotes for those Monday football games. It happened, uh, a story I can tell quickly, uh, during the, the uh, Las Vegas uh, Golden Knights development camp back in 2016. Yeah, we were when all we were all there. We were all there, right, at uh, at the Las Vegas Ice Center. Uh, Brooksies is the bar up there, yeah. right, where, where <laughs> we held court. A lot of times after those games, and we were just talking hockey left and right, and fans would come in, and obviously they recognize. It's ballpark Frank Harnish. He's the host of the Golden Knights Insider Show and post-game. Like, he's the, he was one of the main guys, along with, with Ryan, the hockey guy, Ryan Wallace. You know, And uh, I was fortunate enough occasionally, uh, on occasion, because I was still over there at Lotus, to jump in on those shows every once in a while in that first year. Fans loved it, getting a chance to just talk hockey with him, talk sports, and he was a guy well, that was they, more than more than happy they changed, to engage. They changed yeah. his moniker <laughs> right. to VGK Frank, and I said, don't do that, Frank. You brought up an interesting point on that, by the way, on I, your show. I and told him, I said, don't it, do that. It doesn't, it doesn't fit, does I it, Brian? Do it doesn't that. fit. I mean, he's been around here for 20 He's a well, Chicago guy, though. 20 plus years. Yeah, right. but, I, but I bet you I called him Frank three times <laughs> in 15 years. Mm-hmm. Well, we, He was ballpark. Right. That was his name. Yeah, yeah. again, for, for 20 yeah. plus years at that point in time, and the reason being, you know, of course, at that point in time when Lotus got the Golden Knights and they, they, they made him because, you know, somebody else, you know, you know, you know turned him down. Uh, I don't know who, who that was, you know, but yeah. uh, somebody in this room. But that's yeah. okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but anyway, they said uh, management that came from management that said, yeah. you know what? You're no longer ballpark Frank. And I remember sitting in this meeting. And we were all in the meeting, and ballpark goes, but that's what I go by. He goes, you know what? It was a, he was exactly. a thing. He goes, I mean, that's yeah. who he was. You, he need, was to fi- you need to find something else is what management said. So I had done, we had done a video with uh, myself and Frank and, and Ryan the Hockey Guy and Nick Nice when we, yep. we, we, we did a little bit tell, about Tell uh, me about, that video yeah. since been deleted. Yeah, no, it, it was it's classic. <laughs> and so... So my idea for the name got shot down, and I called him. I said, "He's, he's got to be Icebox Frank now." Yeah, no, and, that, no that was, he, and, needed, he needed and, something right, stupid. Exactly. Wait, 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 wait. You guys are all coming up with monikers for Frank to, oh, to, to, yeah. to partake in. So hold on, and Frank, you know, we were trying vehemently, vehemently said, "No, I'm not Icebox Frank. You know, I'm not going to be that." Remember Little Giants? You know, oh, the movie. There, there it is. 100%. Yeah. So you knew Frank's. Eh, he's not, he's not going to you know come forward like he did. But management said, no, you know, you got to come with something else. VGK, we've got the VGK games. You're going to be VGK Frank. And he just went, well, okay. But you're right. It, it slowly but surely kind of gone. But it was never that. And when I would introduce him, it, during the hockey season, VGK Frank. But the moment the season's oh, over, you're back j- to ballpark, Frank. It was a, no, it was, a, it was a running joke when he'd come in. Exactly. And I, go, I refuse to call you VG, your ballpark. Right. right. You right. know I mean? But, but you talk about the like Swiss Army knife. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he also... Spun tunes on comp, right? He was so, this job. So Brian, he, he, that's where it started. Brian, TC yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and Numchuck, right? Yeah. I I was a fan of Frank Fredericks yeah. overnights <laughs> <laughs> over there on comp. Was he, was rolling, oh, he was rolling. He was rolling classic rock yeah. Oh, yeah. on overnights on Friday oh, nights. Yeah. For years. Frank, I want Frank back. Yeah. How do we get him back? Yeah. I, didn't know, I didn't know he had a fake air name. Yeah, hundred percent. Frank Fredericks was his name on comp. 
Yes. Oh, get him back. And I think yeah. he, 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 I think he had a couple battles. others. Get him back. <laughs> because he, look, we talk about ballpark, right, as far as like his yeah. sp- sports radio. Yeah. And, they've got, you, you, and you brought it up, yeah. TC. Yeah. He, he had uh, all kinds of experiences when it yes. came to the music side of things. He worked with, uh, you know, uh, with uh, Freddie over on Comp. Freddie uh, Woods. Back, yeah. Fre- Freddie Woods back yeah. in the day, back yeah. in the 90s, yeah. uh, back well, he, some, during well, some wild times, you know. Well, where, it, he and C. Williams, I guess, were the longest Tenure exactly, yeah. There, right? yeah. The, the, the yeah. But the so music even goes back. You know, he, Frank's a classic rocker. He uh, loves yeah. his rock music. He, lo- you know, again, overnights on comps, that sort of thing. But a lot of people don't realize you talk about running the board, you know, for you, Brian, way back when. He not only was running the board and he would crack the mic on the music of your life station. Because remember 1460, it was the old big band era. And they finally got rid of that, and and Frank loved that. I mean, back in the old days, playing the carts and everything, he had to play Benny Goodman and Glenn Miller and all that other kind of stuff, and he'd crack the mic, and you talk about going from Frank Fredericks to... Now we're listening to Benny Goodman, and you know well, his other thing, right? Yeah. What was the over under on Coca Cola? He drink well, a day. That's on this show was four and a half. You know, two hour show. Yeah, <laughs> that that was standard operating yeah, right. procedure right. for ballpark Frank to uh, have the old two liter of coke yeah, right yeah. there See, in like studio, Frank, Frank ready been, to roll. Frank would as have he got ready for a show. This. I mean, you, you've got to, yeah. at the darkest moments, you've got to laugh. Of course, my older well, brother. And Frank appreciated this one. My older brother, God knows how many years ago, and he's fine. He's still rolling. He got diagnosed with diabetes. Well, he was like Frank. He drank 16-ounce bottles of Coke, like, out of control. And anyway, so he gets diagnosed with diabetes, and he's in the hospital, and they're you know trying to figure out what's going on. I showed up with a six-pack of Coca-Cola and a box of fudge. You go, how you doing? You know, if you yeah. you gotta laugh at this nonsense, right. you know. I mean, Frank would seriously be going. I hope you guys are laughing. Right? Oh, there's no question about that. Yeah. That he 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 would be excited. Stop that with we're, the morbid nonsense. Right. Yeah, they were not they're not getting too bleak about it. Now, look, I, I'm, and I do want to kind of reflect on this because here in the last couple of years, he's been tremendous with TC on your show. Uh, you know, as you guys have had a great yin and yang back and forth, and he's really added, I think, you know, his element. He's he's been ballpark Frank on your show. But let me tell you guys something, and and you guys are all probably on board with this as well too. Cancer is just a bastard, right? It's oh, just it's a awesome. bastard, okay? It's affected all of us, you know, throughout uh, all our family, uh, across the board, myself myself included. And uh, it's just... Uh it's just, it's just from that standpoint. Uh, again, I don't want to be Debbie Downer here, but uh, that that was just uh, to me. It's been a tough forty eight hours. And then you after, know, but after just, thinking the, about the that. one thing in that vein that I mean, you know, he took a big punch to the gut, mm-hmm. and you know, and then he then he then he started fighting, and it was going good. It, I think he only had two weeks left. This is a sad yeah, thing. Yeah. He only had two weeks left, I believe, of the chemo right. stuff, and. He was starting to talk about going back to games, and, and it's, it, it, it does suck because it kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. Again, uh, chemo treatments, they, 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 they were tough. He battled, and um, it's just unfortunate. But like you said, you know, the, the idea of the show, of course, like I said, is, is to pay homage to him, mm-hmm. have fun, some respects. And, and again, this is what he, he loved. And like I said, as we go on today, we're going to hear – you know, music. We're going to hear some great sound bites. And again, the king of the one-liners. And real quick, we're going to take a couple phone calls here. But as you said, Brian, is this a, he had this gruff demeanor. 
And when you first meet the guy, it's a gruff demeanor. <laughs> yeah. But inside, as we all know, this guy's the biggest teddy bear. Will do anything yeah. no for you. Yeah. I mean, this guy oh, gave, uh, gave uh, blood more than anybody that yes, I knew. He but did. that, those are the things that resonated with me. And again, if you once you got to know him and you take the facade away, he was the nicest guy. And when we say friend, I mean it doesn't doesn't oh, do it enough every day justice. You're walking, every day you're walking yes. at her and he go, "Hey, yeah. say hi to Marie for yeah. me." Exactly, like that. Exactly, I mean, no, he, exactly. He, but you know, he, he he like he like heart of gold. Exactly, he liked that that the gruff demeanor. But the bottom line, inside, a big heart of gold. Uh, we'll go to the phones and uh, talk to uh, one of our our great cohorts, uh, my guy, my producer back in the day, Nick Nice joins us. Nick, what's going on? Who spent a long time working with Frank. Yeah, man. Uh, just like you guys, definitely uh, happy to hear about it, and it's definitely got me bummed. But you know, I try not to try not to think about the sad things too much. Try to remember Frank for the fun parts, and him cussing at the computer is the first thing that came to my mind. <laughs> Nearly breaking oh, that computer. Yeah. Yeah. You you know, uh, being a board op and, and working like 51 games or Aviator games or something like that in different parts of the studios and all that, you could hear him throughout. You could hear him throughout the whole programming side of the building cussing at that computer, and uh, that that would just that would, that would just, you'd kind of like giggle at him just because you know it's like he 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 almost like loved to do that to himself. Uh, I know Brian, uh, you, you nailed it like earlier. You just said like he's he's like almost happy to be miserable he was yeah he, he was miserable but he loved it i don't know it just it was funny but yet he was the most sincere most uh just give you the shirt off his back type of guy and you know like i think about him giving gallons of his blood to to people he didn't even know he was uh I don't know. It's just it's sad to say that he's gone. I'm glad, and you Nick, know. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, the blood thing. You maybe you guys would know more. I mean, I, I knew. Yeah. I mean, he literally it was at least once a week, if not. It was, was it twice a week? It was all yeah. I mean, I know, it, it, it was at least once ever. Right. He. I mean, he and not did not it. just the blood drives that we used to do. You know, but he like you said, go on his own all the time. Yeah. And just you know, again. Uh, then he went through the tragic accident, which we all you know remember right. that where he nearly lost his life was oh, in a oh, neck brace way, forever, and, and that was another indication of his personality, right? When he had right. the accident, look, right. we understand he was a tongue in cheek kind of guy. You yeah. you described it perfectly, yeah. Brian, as far yeah. as like you know the gr- you, you did too as well the gruffness or whatever. Yeah. But he was still a guy. He was a fighter, yeah. okay, and and, yeah. and that was a but, difficult uh, accident, difficult situation physically for yeah, him, well, and yet he still was able to kind of make in his own way make light of it. You know, exactly. despite the but fact I will that it, never, it could have been, it could have been something that could have been, you know, really detrimental. I'll never forgive him for that accident because uh-huh. I went to visit. Him. I can't get. I mean, I cannot get this out of my head. I know where this is going. Yeah. I went to visit him in the hospital, and he's wearing the neck brace, and of course, he's wearing one of those back bare ass gowns, and I'm like, seriously, how do, how do I get this out of my head? Yeah, I mean, it is, it's still like you I'm don't. Like, I'm trying to get eye transplants. And he literally, like I said, I went to go visit him, and he was already out of the hospital. He walked out of the hospital within two days. It was crazy. All right, Nick, I appreciate the thoughts, brother. Great hearing from you. Thank you very much for chiming in today, man. Yeah, I just want to say, uh, and then again, uh, doing that uh, ice ice hockey thing with him and and the... um, uh, would you call him again, Icebox Frank? Yeah, I wanted to call him Icebox Frank. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. He 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 was he was. I swear he was so like. Oh man, what's the way he just put it? He was so 
crusty, but yet he was so soft on the inside, yeah, man. That's like a he, good way. He, he wanted to he wanted to be fun with it, but yet he was just like, I don't want to fall on this ice. Right, you're, you're, you're crazy. Yeah, exactly. We couldn't but, get him uh, on skates. Had to have carpet out there. Oh, and by the way, Nick Nice, a tremendous goalie. Uh, you know, shut down Ryan Ryan the hockey guy. Great job, Nick. You in, 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 his, in, in your Sharks jersey. Love it. There you go. All right, brother. Thanks, right, thanks man. Guys. Appreciate you. Bye. All right. I want to get over to uh, our good friend, to uh, KT. Ken Thompson yeah. joins us with uh, some quick thoughts. Of course, Ken, SportsX Radio uh, down the dial. has no ballpark for a long time. Uh, KT, thanks for joining us, man. No, I appreciate you, man. And uh, kind of, you know, we all thought he was on the, on the way back. We had that group text going with me, you, Chris, and and, uh, you know, I remember just talking to him about, I want to say about four weeks ago, by mistake, I, I end up hitting, like, FaceTime. I want to just, like, send him a message, but all of a sudden it FaceTimes him, and he's in the hospital, and it's 2 in the morning. And I'm like, oh, my God, man. And, it's like, <laughs> and of course, Ballpark answers. And, and, like, I hung up. I hit the X to hang up because I didn't mean to do it. He calls me back. And I ended up talking to him for about 20 minutes. He was walking around the corner upstairs so he could get oh. some exercise. And he said that was the only time he could do anything. There's that open robe again, Brian, right? right? Open robe. So, I'm, KT, right? That, he was always talking about how he's here. going on these, like, late-night treks right? around the hospital and, <laughs> and getting a chance to kind of get out of there. That was, it was, it was uh, interesting to see the, you know, the kind of uh, therapy that he had in his mind to, uh, to kind of beat this. Yeah. I'll tell you what, though, when I first met Ballpark, and he was, you know, he was a mainstay right there, Lotus, he was doing great, and Chuck and I, Chuck Edel and I started our show over there at Lotus, so I didn't really, you know, know know too many of the local guys, and uh, I met Ballpark, and he was kind of standoffish at first, like just another newbie coming by, just being a pain in the butt, but he took time to show me where I had to uh, get some stuff and go to another room, and then I remember, you know, we hit it off because he was a Chicago guy, and I was, you know, rooted for New York teams, and we would just go back and forth, and he obviously was a big Rangers fan, he was a big Blackhawks fan, and then, of course, the, the passion that he had for the Bears, but I remember always teasing him because he would come into work with that two liter bottle coca-cola and i go dude what, i go what, what are you doing you know, why don't you just put that in the fridge he goes nah this thing will be gone by you know by two or whatever i'm going come on and there's no way and he did and he did it for a while and then finally he said he goes yeah enough's enough but uh that that was ballpark man he walked to the beat of his own drum he didn't care who wanted him to get a haircut he's like screw you i got through the parents got past them i'm not cutting my hair for anybody there were certain things about ballpark that he just wasn't going to change he was a sub guy when he was on something and that includes any point as far as in sports when he had to make a point he stuck to it and uh, i think there's a lot of andy isco in him with that uh, that same type of uh, <laughs> you know demeanor you know there. it's funny ken I mean, you got me thinking now because he came out to a viewing party out at uh, sunset station i think he was there for the double doink the bears playoff game mm-hmm. like turn word franco uh, he was gone vapor <laughs> But I'm, I'm, but, I, but, but I'm, t- I'm telling He's you, ready to go get another coke. What are you talking about? But you know what? The the the, the two dirtiest words you could ever say to uh, Frank, Aaron Rodgers. Oh boy! Oh, all, yeah. you, all you had to do was say Aaron Rodgers to him. I, I know. All no, all I know two that. more dirtier words that are worse than that, yeah. Brian. I'm not going to lie to you. And he and refused. I'm, to, and I'm sure Ken and both and he, know what and I'm he talking refused about. to say number four. Yeah. Yeah. He would always say number four. Yeah. There was another Green Bay quarterback. Yeah. That he had even more disdain for, but. All right, KT, I appreciate you uh, joining us here today. I know we're going to talk uh, more, but thanks for checking in, brother. Really appreciate you. See you, Ken. You thanks, know what? Ken. It's cool. It's, it's, it's so cool what you guys are doing. I love it. 
and we're going to do it on my show as well. And we got to remember them. We can't just forget people just because they pass on mm -hmm. and move forward and go home, basically. We know he had his faith. That's the most important thing to all of us. And uh, God bless all you guys for doing what you do here in the Vegas Valley. Well Thank said, Ken. Thanks, yeah. Ken Thompson. Appreciate it. 8 to 10 SportsX Radio. Yeah. All right. Brian Blessing, C-Win, appreciate you for hanging out for uh, a segment and giving some thoughts. And not only thoughts, but just you, exchange the fun were, stories. You're wearing an Ohio State That's shirt. why I wore it. Oh, for for nice, ballpark. What a yeah. nice tribute. It, it, absolutely. I didn't have a Bears oh, one. Oh, and, 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 and Justin, the producer, has got this, the Blackhawks oh, yes. Cup shirt. I, see, I, all I had was Buckeyes. I didn't I, have any Bears or Blackhawks. So I, I, I got a semi-clean Did you get the memo? There you go. Uh, I found a semi-clean shirt to put on. Semi-clean? Semi I didn't think about it. I should have brought my Dennis Savard jersey. Well, I should have I should have rolled that out. At least here. you didn't cut your hair today. So in, in Frank's memory, there you go. Okay. And I, you know, that guy always made me jealous. And I, I would tell him all the time, how'd you keep your hair? You're older than me. He kept all of his hair, and it didn't go gray. You know he what? kept all the hair. You know what, though? I mean, you know, when when teams win a lot, you, you, get, you get the, like, annoying. He was a typical black guy. So he's, like, borderline annoying. Caner. Like what? You don't know him, you know. Can't, you know, he's like he's the time came with a caner. Like wait, what? What? You got double runners? You gonna get on the ice? I used to give him grief all the time. It was always fun hearing his, his stories about uh, the old Chicago Stadium, though. You know, and oh. getting a chance to go to those games and and because uh, I remember as a kid in Michigan growing up and and hearing uh, the Chicago Blackhawks radio calls and. Uh, and and even though I wasn't a Blackhawks fan, I still appreciated it, and uh, could kind of understand why Ballpark was such a uh, such a big Chicago Blackhawk fan, and that was really cool. You gotta love it. All right. Hey, and I, I, you know, there it is. But, yeah. uh, seriously, to, to you, TC, uh, I'm, I'm you know great. Frank had this landing spot to do the shows with you because. That that was big for him. Mm -hmm. It really was, and you know I know he appreciated doing that with you. Yeah, and I appreciate uh, him, of course. And again, he he added so much, just like uh, you guys said before. And uh, again, he's our guy, no question. All right, we'll let you go, Brian. You can hear Brian, of course, twelve to two uh, every day. Uh, you know, right here with uh, Sportsbook Radio as well as the Vegas uh, Hockey Hotline as I'm, well. Great job, my friend. I'm going to go get Sorry. a pair of knitting needles at the dollar and a quarter store yeah. now. <laughs> Um, and pluck my eyeballs out of my sockets because I now I'm like really thinking of him in that hospital. Yeah, gown. that's okay. Go get about to four two liters of coke and you'll be fine. All right. See <laughs> win. Thanks, brother man. Absolutely. A as always, uh, appreciate you. We come back. Yes. Trevor Maddich is going to join us uh, with some thoughts, and more importantly, we're going to talk uh, some college football rankings and a whole lot more. And don't forget, uh, next hour, top of the hour, we're filling it with phone calls, thoughts, memories, and vintage ballpark Frank audio. Nashville hot chicken, bold pork sandwiches, award-winning Vietnamese wings, and plenty of ice-cold craft brews. Just a taste of what you'll find at Block 16 Urban Food Hall at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Six hand-picked restaurants from foodie capitals across the country. Fresh flavors, world-renowned chefs, and a lively atmosphere draw you in. From donuts to hand rolls to everything in between, grab, go, and get back to the game. Block 16 Urban Food Hall at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Betting has never been easier, and you can earn free money when you sign up today for a new William Hill Nevada mobile sports account. Earn a $50 bonus when you deposit $50 or more using promo code TC50. That's promo code TC50. The William Hill Nevada mobile sports app allows you to bet from any iPhone, iPad, or Android device anywhere in Nevada. With the largest wagering menu, the mobile sports app features live in-play betting as well. Sign up today 
For more information, visit williamhill.us. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-522-4700. Freddy's Frozen Custard and Steak Burgers is all about the good and creating more of it. More drive through celebrations. More weekend traditions. More family dinners and lunches. More car picnics and road trips. More desserts. Maybe more second desserts. More celebrating being together as much as we can. There's always room for more good and more Freddy's. Keep the good going with a taste that brings you back. Rob Van Dam here. I want to introduce you to my new one-of-a-kind CBD product line, RVD CBD. As a professional wrestler, you know that I'm familiar with aches and pains, and I know what it takes to recover quickly and effectively. Man, damn, this is too RVD CBD has everything you need. Tinctures, creams, gummies, smokables, and it's all natural. It's the highest quality and delivering life-changing results. Dude, the reviews are off the charts. Check out all my products at rvdcbd.com and enter the promo code TCRVD. Check this out. I'm giving you a 21% discount. What's better than saving money and feeling great at the same time, right? Use the promo code TCRVD. The best products on the market from the best in the business. Rob Van Dam. When you're having pain or discomfort, see the pros at Total Sports Medicine. Dr. Joseph Yu is one of the leading orthopedic surgeons and is the UNLV team doctor. Total Sports Medicine is your sports injury specialist. With treatment for shoulders, hips, and knees, specializing in ACL and meniscus tears, shoulder injuries, collarbones, and more. Call Total Sports Medicine at 702-475-4390 or go to dryu.com. For complete care, trust the pros at Total Sports Medicine, your sports injury specialist. Does your body need a reboot or would you just like to feel better? Restore Hyper Wellness and Cryotherapy is now here. Visit the brand new location in Henderson at 1550 North Green Valley Parkway. Restore is the ultimate pick-me-up. Whether you have pain or an injury or just low on energy, Restore is the place for you. With the -the state-of-the-art equipment and a soothing, comfortable atmosphere, Restore will bring your body back to life. Try the large menu of services to fit what your body needs from cryotherapy, IV drips, B12 shots, to hyperbaric oxygen therapy, compression, or just plain relaxation and beauty. It will make you feel amazing. Get the treatment that today's athletes receive and make your body feel better so you can feel better. Visit Restore Hyper Wellness and Cryotherapy, 1550 North Green Valley Parkway, just off the 215 in Green Valley Parkway in the Smith Shopping Center. For more information, go to Restore.com. Do more with Restore. Hey everyone, this is Carnell, a.k.a. Golden Pipes, and I want to welcome you back to the T.C. Martin Show. All right, our tribute will continue with our good friend, Ballpark Frank, today. And uh, next hour, we have got wall-to-wall phone calls, tributes with a lot of our special guests, colleagues, and friends of Ballpark Frank and some vintage audio we will play as well. So hang tight uh, for all that. Join us now, our good friend Trevor Maddich from ESPN. We talk a little college football. Trev, what is happening, my man? TC, we're finally here. We're championship weekend. Now we're about to find out 
one more week to go. Who's going to win the conferences and who's going to be in the final four? And I'll tell you what, it's very possible that final four could be completely out of, out of complete sanity. You know, it is a little bit much of a, a chaotic mess, isn't it, than, than what we've seen in years past. And, and I guess that's good, but we just don't have a lot of, you know, the stalwarts there. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, Oklahoma, Ohio State, you know, Texas. I mean, you know, the teams that we, we've seen in the, in the last, you know, four or five years that, okay, you know, you know Florida's, uh, you know, we, we don't see those. And, and again, we're, t- we're seeing teams like Michigan and Cincinnati that are basically locked in there. So we get the unveiling last night, and we get Georgia number one. They've been steadfast there at the top from the from the beginning. Uh, Michigan now goes to number two. Cincinnati to number three. Alabama at four. And now on the outside looking in, it's uh, Oklahoma State, who came up with that big victory in Stillwater against OU last week. And uh, then Notre Dame is still alive at, uh, at number six uh, without a head coach and Brian Kelly. So there's a lot there, Trevor, a lot to unpack. But uh, when your eyes saw those those uh, six schools pop up last night, immediate thoughts were? Were if you had Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati, and Oklahoma State as your final four when you were picking at preseason, you must be the wealthiest man on the planet because I don't think, I don't think anybody, anybody had that. But that is possible. I mean, if Georgia beats Alabama – and if Oklahoma State beats Baylor, that will be your final four. It's kind of crazy. The other crazy thing, you know, you mentioned, T.C., Notre Dame without a coach. Brian Kelly went off to LSU with his team still in the running. And what would Notre Dame need in order to move up? You know, they would need Georgia to beat Alabama. They would need possibly Baylor to beat Oklahoma State. But I think Baylor would probably jump them if they did beat Oklahoma State. So if you had Georgia beating Alabama and Houston beating Cincinnati, you could have Oklahoma State and Notre Dame be the last two teams. And that is not out of the question. I think everybody expects Georgia to beat Alabama. And Houston is a team that lost their opener to Texas Tech and then ripped off 11 straight wins. Houston is a real threat to Cincinnati. And Notre Dame could go to the playoff just after their coach bolted for LSU, and there has not been a coach at Notre Dame leave voluntarily to take another job since 1907, I believe. I think it goes back to 1907. Yeah, I, I don't know if it, and, it's ever even, because I talked about that yesterday, Trevor, and it's just like you don't leave Notre Dame. You never leave Notre Dame, not just football, but you never leave Notre Dame to go anywhere else because your name goes on buildings. It goes on streets. Uh, you know, you, you are set for life there in South Bend if you have any type of success. Oh, and by the way, we're only talking about the all-time winningest football coach in Notre Dame history in Brian Kelly, more than Newt Rockney. It was insane. To hear this and just to, to add to this point, because I was thinking the same thing, you know, the last couple of weeks, I've been the guy that's been saying, hey, don't sleep on Notre Dame. You know, how cool would it be to maybe have that rematch in the playoff with Cincinnati and Notre Dame? You know what? That could happen. And when the dominoes started falling, I'm, I'm saying, you know, and the Irish, you know, you know, pounding opponents the last couple of weeks, it could happen. It could happen. And now all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute. They're still on the outside looking in, but the committee's not going to reward Notre Dame now because they don't have a coach, right? No, I think the committee won't 
won't judge them by that. The committee will judge them by what they've done, not what they think they might do in the future based on whatever circumstances are there. So I think the committee, they've got them at number six. At seven is Ohio State, and at eight is Ole Miss. So neither of those three teams has a game to play this weekend. The committee has already determined that Notre Dame is better than Ohio State and Ole Miss, so the Buckeyes and Rebels have no chance to jump Notre Dame. The only team that can really jump them from behind right now is Baylor. But if Baylor does that, they'll knock Oklahoma State out because they will have won the Big 12 championship game against Oklahoma State. So that's kind of a wash. That's why for Notre Dame to get there, they need an Alabama loss and a Cincinnati loss. And the thing about that, though, I mean, you talk about Coach Kelly. You're right. I mean, he, he would be on the Mount Rushmore of Notre Dame coaches because he is the winningest coach there in history. He has not won a national championship. And that's kind of a big deal to him and kind of a big deal for Notre Dame people. And I think they also understand that the last national championship was, what, in the 80s or 90s, whichever that was with Lou Holtz. It's been an awful long time because there's been a, you know, a sea change in the way college football is. And, and Notre Dame's place in college football is harder to get to that pinnacle now at Notre Dame than it was with those other coaches for a variety of reasons. He would still be Coach Kelly on Mount Rushmore of Notre Dame football. If the Irish make the playoff, then I fear for him that all the goodwill he built up there and all those years of being an outstanding coach for them will go by the wayside, and he might be seen as the coach that abandoned the team when they went to the playoff, right? And I don't know if that may be fair. I don't think it's fair. I think you know he's got to do what's best for his family, and $95 million guaranteed is not such a bad thing for the family. But I also wonder why the announcement couldn't have waited until uh, after this announcement, you know, after the, the committee's final ranking. Uh, and, you know, for LSU, the, the problem, I'm not, I'll answer the question here. The reason is that the early signing period is now, and LSU does not want to go into it with no head coach in the early signing period. Uh, they could just announce, hey, it's going to be Kelly because he's going to coach in the, in the, in the playoff. I don't know if that would work, but we've seen – how well making the jump before the early signing period appears to be working for Oklahoma's former coach, Lincoln Riley, who went to USC. And now it looks like he's, he's going to bring a bunch of five stars from California that were committed to him at Oklahoma to USC before they had a chance to sign in the early signing period. So that, that adds to the complexity of it. Trevor, we were talking yesterday about the, the player's perspective here when you're at one of these schools, Notre Dame or specifically Oklahoma. And we go back to last Saturday where Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are are, are battling in in Bedlam here. And Oklahoma, if they would have won that game, then they had a legitimate shot to get in the college football playoff. And then all of a sudden, boom, they lose in a very competitive game. They could have won the game, probably should have won the game. And then all of a sudden, now their coach is gone. And weird stories here, kind of conflicting stories, where Lincoln Riley said that he got a phone call Sunday morning, but then on the way home, you know, from Stillwater Saturday night, they were thinking things started moving fast, and I, and I get that. But talk about that situation where you – now, Spencer Rattler said, hey, I'm done. I mean, he probably would have been done anyway because he, he lost his quarterback job this year. But just this is a team that is lock, stock, and barrel loaded – they go from thinking they have a shot of getting in the college football playoff to now not, now losing their coach, and now players are hitting the transfer portal. Coaches are gone. Everyone's gone here. What is that like on that campus, and what's, what's that been like in the last 48 hours? 
TC, I think the cool factor is in danger of being completely gone from there. I mean, it, it was cool to be at Oklahoma, especially on offense, for a long time. When Riley took over as offensive, offensive coordinator and then head coach, he elevated it. He was young, innovative, and just completely cool. And it was a cool place to be. Even so, at Oklahoma, um, under with Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield as quarterbacks, both won the Heisman Trophy, both became the first pick of the draft. How many college football playoff games did Oklahoma win during that time? Oh, we know it. Yeah, nothing. It's, it's, it's a big goose egg. It's yep. a big zero. Now, in a few years, they're going to be heading to the SEC. It's going to be even harder to get there, much less win one. Now, you can make the case that Oklahoma will be recruiting to the SEC and their recruiting will elevate because of that. And, I, and that, that makes sense. I can see that. But the hope would be that the, the, the cool factor would still be there. The young, innovative factor would still be there with Riley. Now Riley takes off for USC. And all of a sudden, these five-star recruits, including you know quarterbacks, receivers, uh, running back out of uh, – out of California have either already committed to change their commitment to USC or they're talking about, you know, possibly doing it. And I, I imagine they will. And all of a sudden Oklahoma now is losing recruits. They're going to lose people in the transfer portal. Uh, Rattler, I don't think moves the needle, but if other people start to leave, that would move the needle. Then there's the looming SEC. Then do they bring in a defensive coach? If you're a top offensive guy, is it still as attractive? Are you looking now? to get the same thing you would have gotten at Oklahoma to USC, you know, that, that to me is an interesting thing. I think, I think the most likely way they could keep the cool factor is if the rumors that they're trying to pursue Crip Kingsbury, the Arizona Cardinals head coach, um, are true. I don't know if those rumors are true, but that would be a super cool factor. Other than that, uh, they're, they're in a precarious position because if they lose enough top recruits in this class and maybe next, and if they struggle a little bit and then get into the SEC and get pounded in the first year or two, then it'll be even harder for Oklahoma to reestablish itself as that destination location that it has been for recent years. USC, on the other hand, TC, right now I think has a chance to be phenomenal. <laughs> phenomenal for a long period of time uh, as, as well, too. All right, Trevor Maddich joins us from ESPN talking college football and then the playoff rankings that came out last night. Georgia 1, Michigan 2, Cincinnati 3, Alabama 4, and like we said, Oklahoma State and Notre Dame on the outside looking in at 5 and 6. All right, Trevor, let's talk about Michigan for a second. Here's a team that we really didn't give them you know, much credit. It was like, okay, fine, they're putting some victories together. We still not sure we believe in Cade McNamara. Then we know they got a good defense, a good running game, but really how good? Oh, they're going to play Ohio State. They are playing them at home, so maybe they got a shot, but Harbaugh hasn't once beaten Ohio State since he got there, and it's Ohio State, this juggernaut, this offense and everything, and then all of a sudden, boom, uh, they, they score first. They're competitive. They win the game. They win the game going away. They're convincing, and all of a sudden, this team who was at number five and no one thought – they could even sniff the college football playoff. Not only did they crack the top four, Trevor, they go up to number two, Michigan to number two, and should take care of Iowa unless they fall asleep here you know, on Saturday. And this team looks to be locked in for a team just weeks ago. No one was talking about them being in the college football playoff, let alone a number two seed. No, and I tell you what, that Michigan game was an, or excuse me, the Ohio State game was a bit of a revelation there. 
because of the way they won it. Their defense figured to, to do a good job against Ohio State's offense. Michigan's defense was the best defense that Ohio State has faced this year by a fairly wide margin. Uh, I think Penn State, you could say, is one of those. But against Penn State, Ohio State's offense struggled in the red zone. Nebraska has a better defense than they get credit for. Ohio State struggled on offense, especially in the red zone against Nebraska. So here comes Michigan with a better defense than both of those teams. And they did a good job on, um, on, on the Buckeyes' offense. And I think, you know, the matchup with Georgia between Michigan's defense and Georgia's offense makes it a very interesting thing. But really, it, it's the way that they manhandled the Buckeyes' defensive front seven that stood out. Because you figured that they'd complete some passes down the field. Michigan, or excuse me, Ohio State still has a fairly young secondary. They still make a few mistakes. They still misplay some balls in the air, but they've improved since September. They've gotten pretty good, just not dominant in the secondary. But Ohio State's front seven is really athletic and really talented, especially on the defensive line. They've got several defensive linemen that are going to be in the NFL coming up here. So that, that's a truly fair fight. And against a very good Buckeyes offensive line, they got after C.J. Stroud in the pass rush, and they did a good job against the run. And so Michigan essentially on offense with almost 300 yards rushing pounded Ohio State into submission. The Buckeyes didn't quit. They kept playing hard, as hard as they could, but Michigan took the starch out of them by smashing him in the mouth and continuing to. There were so many times that Michigan got down to about the two-yard line, and they'd call a run right up the middle. Ohio State would stuff them. Man, next play, right up the middle again. Touchdown. Right? Just attitude plays. We're better than you plays. And Michigan succeeded at them over and over again until Ohio State, I think they just kind of had all they, all they wanted to have by the time the game ended. Right. So, Trevor, let's talk about Alabama. Okay, they struggled mightily and were probably outplayed for majority of that game against Auburn in the Iron Bowl on Saturday. And Alabama, you know, slides, uh, you know, down to number three here. Uh, Alabama still hasn't lost. I mean, they only had one loss, and they did win the game. Did Michigan deserve to to jump that much from five to two and leapfrog Alabama? Or, you know, it kind of took away – the you know the lure that we were talking about all last week. Well, Alabama wins and Georgia wins, and we've got number one, number two here in the SEC championship game. Should Alabama be ahead of Michigan? Uh, no, Michigan should be ahead. First of all, that Michigan's best win is better than Alabama's. Michigan's best win is over number seven currently, Ohio State. Alabama is over number eight currently, Ole Miss. Okay, but then you look at losses, right? Michigan's loss is the currently number 11 Michigan State, and I'm looking for Texas A&M, and they're ranked number 25. Yeah, uh, that's Alabama's loss. Four teams have beaten Texas A&M. Alabama's not one of them. So I think that's one of the reasons you do that. Secondly, Michigan has been very consistent all year long. Not always completely dominant, but very consistent in their play. Alabama has been all over the map. And thank goodness for them that their defense was lights out against Auburn. I mean, they gave up 159, I think it was, total yards of offense to Auburn. And that's what kept them in position so that with a minute and a half to go, Bryce Young could orchestrate that 97-yard touchdown drive to tie it up and send it to overtime. It was the Alabama defense that was incredible. But they've been incredibly awful at times this year on defense as well. And so I think 
you know, directly to your question that it is absolutely fair for Michigan to be ahead of Alabama. What you don't, being two or being three in the ranking is okay. What you don't want to finish is four because then you have to face Georgia in the first round and you'll get knocked out. Mm-hmm. All right, Trevor Manich uh, joins us talking college football playoff. Well, Trevor, let's talk a little bit about some of these conference championship games this week. We've got one here in Vegas uh, for the first time, the Pac-12 championship game at Allegiant Stadium here Oregon and Utah, we know it's a rematch from a couple weeks ago where Utah blasted Oregon 38-7 to in Salt Lake, but now this line is, is only three uh, with the Utes. Oregon did make a, a good account of themselves last week by bouncing back and, and not getting you know taking that hit in the mouth uh, you know, too much as they pounded Oregon State last week. How do you see Oregon-Utah for the Pac-12 championship, even though it doesn't have any playoff implications? Uh, what kind of game do you see this? Uh, I think it'll be tight. I think Utah is going to find itself in a, a much more difficult situation. I thought that Utah would win that game against Oregon and Salt Lake, but I didn't think they would just completely blow Oregon to smithereens like they did. Oregon right now, I'm sh- I'm not sure. I'm guessing, knowing how football players are, had the better week of practice, the more urgent week of practice, because. They, they know that they got pounded. They were embarrassed. Utah wasn't embarrassed. They're going for what they've never done before, which is win a Pac-12 championship. But you're chasing something positive there. Sometimes when you're, you're trying to avenge a, a humiliation, you're even more focused in practice, which is one of the reasons that Nick Saban, the kind of wins he loves the most are the ones where they win the game but made a bunch of mistakes so that he can make players feel like, hey, you, people are talking about you badly, Right. And that's the position that Oregon's in right now. Now, Utah still is the more physical team. Utah still, I think, should have the edge in this game. It will come down to quarterback Anthony Brown of Oregon. He did a really good job at hitting some deep passes against Oregon State, and that opened things up for their offense. But he's been very much up and down. If you look at him over the last five, six games, you'll see a passer rating of, of you know, 90, 45. 85, 49. You know, it just goes up and down and up and down. He had a really good pass rating against, or excuse me, quarterback rating against Oregon State. It's different because a pass rating is just when you throw. Quarterback rating is what you are when um, it rates everything you do and when you do it. So if it's if it's third and ten, and you throw for nine yards, your passer rating thinks that you did something really great. But your quarterback rating will say no, it was third down and you were short. And it'll grade you down for that. So that's the difference. And Anthony Brown, his, the key for this game, the whole game, is how he performs. Because if he plays one of his really strong, high quarterback rating games, then Oregon, I think, will win it. But if he doesn't, then they won't. All right. Georgia, Alabama, six and a half is the line with uh, Georgia. They've been basically unstoppable. Alabama has been a little shaky on both sides of the ball. Do the Tide have any shot here, Trevor? They do if their defense shows up like they did against Auburn. Really, the, the way to beat Georgia is with dominant defense. Good offenses, really good offenses, have been stopped and dominated by Georgia's defense. But Georgia's offense has only faced one truly good defense, and that's Clemson in the opener, and they didn't score a touchdown. And so the only touchdown that was scored in that game by either side was a pick six by Georgia's defense. So Georgia's defense outscored both offenses, uh, seven to six in that game. So that was the opener. 
So Georgia's offense has evolved since then, especially some of the young receivers and young tight end Brock Bowers, who's developed into one of the best downfield passing threats from any position in all of college football. But still, the the path to beat Georgia remains not have a great offense that'll defeat this great defense, but have a great defense that'll keep the score down and put you in position to where a mistake here, a bounce of the ball there, will give you a chance that you have either a short field or or a way to get some points that you wouldn't have gotten by driving the ball down the field. And because the score is low, it gives you a chance. And Alabama, if their defense plays like it did against Auburn, has a chance to keep that score low and put Bryce Young in position to make some plays down the stretch. So Georgia should win this game, but I wouldn't count out Alabama at all if their defense shows up. Quick thoughts, Iowa-Michigan for the Big Ten Championship. And, of course, Michigan with huge uh, playoff implications there. Absolutely. If Michigan loses, the Big Ten's out of the playoff, and it opens the door for guys like Notre Dame, right? But I think Michigan's lucky that Wisconsin didn't win because both Wisconsin and Iowa have a good defense, but Wisconsin's better. Right now you've got a championship game matchup where you've got two good defenses, Iowa and Michigan, but only one good offense, and that's Michigan. Iowa's offense can run the ball okay, and their passing game is less than okay, far less than okay. So I think Michigan, if they don't win this game, it's because they all caught the flu or something in that rushing the field right. after they beat Ohio State. I was worried about that. I still am. They got the celebration flu. Hopefully oh, they don't man. have that hangover. Exactly. The people breathing on them. All right. I'm talking about literally right. breathing on them. Yeah. Fans breathing on them That's on true. the field. Right, right, right. Yeah. All right, Trev. Appreciate, uh, as always, uh, Trevor will be all over uh, ESPN over the next uh, few days. And, of course, uh, you know, doing the radio uh, marathon that he does on Saturday. Of course, he'll be joining us during our Best Bet segment of the Cosmopolitan on Friday as well. Brother, we appreciate you as always. Great insight, great knowledge, as always. Thanks, DC. And, and I miss Frank, too. Yeah. I miss him. Go ahead, brother. Yeah, we, 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 we all do. And we're going to have a special tribute with him, you know, coming up here next hour as well, too. So and I know that uh, we had a lot of fun, uh, you know, with uh, you and Frank uh, on the show. He, he, he loved uh, being part of this and, uh, and uh, appreciate that, man. Appreciate that. Thanks, man. Take yeah. care. There he is. All right, Trevor Maddich. All right. Thoughts, memories, reflections with my cohort, tag team partner, and great friend, not only of mine, but everyone, Ballpark Frank, coming up right here after the break. We hear some vintage audio clips from the show, and we hear from a lot of Frank's colleagues and our friends in the radio business, as well as just great friends and great guests that want to give their thoughts regarding Ballpark Frank, who passed on just days ago. But the show goes on. We'll have some fun with this. And Ballpark Frank is the star today. And right after this break, we come back with some vintage Ballpark Frank moments. Turn the page. Live. Go, go, shake, shake the room. In the 
entertainment capital of the world. What a strike! What a goal! What a comeback! What a game! There are no words to describe it! It's the TC Martin Show. Léger hors jeu, mais cette fois-ci, il n'y en a pas pour Marco Reus. Très fort devant le but! Prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Largo, Pifio. Messi la tiene, Messi, Messi, Messi. Ahí está, Iniesta. Gol! 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 Cerebro! Cerebro! Cerebro, Iniesta! The doctor is now in. one of my favorite times of year. Euro Cup going on right now. Loving it. Getting to the end of group stage and then we get to the real betting. You know, we don't have to do these three-way lines anymore. It's like, okay, who will advance? Then we get into the OTs. We get into the extra time. Then we get into the penalty kicks. Very, very exciting. How about that? Germany with a 4-2 victory on Saturday. They got behind 1-0, and all the German fans are going crazy. They're going, oh, my God, we got to get rid of Yogi Love. He's got to go. He's got to go. He's got to go. And all of a sudden, they scored. They scored again. You know, there were three goals in that first half, Portugal and Germany, and they were three goals scored by Portugal. But Germany led 2-1. How's that? Own goals. That's right. <laughs> and Germany lost on the own goal to France. Well, what a different look oh, on your face crazy. when Germany is the beneficiary of own goals See, as opposed to the other way. I knew you were going to say that. Well, the, the, the room is, you can turn out the lights and it'll still be shiny in here from the beam on your face. But boy, after game one, woo, that was a little bit different look. Now, if you watch the game against France, the own goal was a gaffe. It, you talk about the flurry gaffe in game number three. This was the gap. When Germany was playing Portugal on Saturday, a ball went into the box, hit a German player. Both players were right there, so it went bing, bing, and went off the guy. Ricochet rabbit? Ricochet rabbit. There you go. (laughs) Wasn't that a cartoon or what? Yes. But Deputy Drupal. Okay, so that was Germany's first goal. Okay, to tie it up at one. And they initially gave the goal to the German striker. But then they had to go back and review, oh, well, technically it did go off. The Portugal players. So then the second goal didn't go ricochet rabbit, as you say, but they were both there, and they're both going for the ball and went off the Portugal guy's uh, leg and into the net. So, by the way, I only said ricochet because you said bing bing because ricochet's <laughs> rabbits his, his his trademark was bing 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 ricochet rabbit. So, yeah. You know, Otherwise, I would say like a pinball machine or something. But you know, I know most of these old school, you know, cartoon television references, with Frank. But he's even got me on that one. So ricochet rabbit and deputy drooper along with they were the solid deal. Yeah. They took on El Loco 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 Diablo once. Ooh. I, I didn't even know that rabbits were sheriffs in the old west, yeah. but apparently they were. <laughs> well, Barney Fife was was a well, he wasn't a sheriff; he was a deputy. No, <laughs> he would have been the deputy <laughs> drooper long too. Andy would have been the ricochet rabbit in that. There you go. As we digress about as far as we can go, and this and is where into we, the so-called rabbit hole. There you go. And then we bring in our good friend Matthew Holt to get us out of that rabbit hole. Matt, uh, you don't get this on every show, do you, Matt? 
No, this is, uh, you guys are the special show. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I almost said something completely politically incorrect these days, so I'm just going to let it go. (laughs) Our good friend, Ballpark Frank, having fun, as always, as we did here. And this hour is a tribute to our good friend, Ballpark Frank. Thoughts, memories, reflections, and clips like you just heard from past shows. We've got all that for you this hour, and we appreciate everyone chiming in with us. This hour, you're going to hear from former colleagues, guests, and just friends of Ballpark Frank because he was beloved by everybody. So you're going to hear thoughts and reflections real quickly from a myriad of people. We're going to try to get to as many of Frank's friends as we possibly can uh, and our and our regular guests as well too and uh, continue to play some great sound bites. I want to start this hour with a guy that we both used to work with and that's Ryan the Hockey Guy Wallace. Uh, Ryan and Frank, as you know, uh, started the, the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show um, and also the host, co-host, of the Vegas Golden Knights pregame, postgame, and intermission reports. And uh, these guys together were fantastic. And I was fortunate enough to be able to join them occasionally, every now and then pop in during games, on the roads, at locations. But uh, people talk about Frank and I in the chemistry. Well, he definitely had the chemistry with Ryan Wallace. And Ryan, I appreciate you taking the time to join us today and give us some quick reflections about your good friend and former cohort, Ballpark Frank. Yeah, uh, first of all, thanks for, for having me on here, TC. I appreciate that. And, uh, it's been a, a tough couple of days kind of processing all the all the news on Frank. But, you know, it, it's it's pretty, pretty simple from my perspective. Uh, without Frank Harnish, there'd be no Ryan the Hockey Guy. There wouldn't be... Uh, me on the radio talking about this crazy, ridiculous sport that is hockey. It it all started with me and Frank literally yelling at each other in the hallway about uh, his Chicago Blackhawks and my L.A. Kings, and, and that's kind of where the the genesis, the idea um, in Frank's mind kind of grew of, of let's start a podcast, let's focus in on, on creating a product, and, and we did that with Rink Rats. We, we were fortunate enough to do that on the BGK Insider Show, and and some of the best times, best memories I've had on the radio happen on the pregame, intermission, and postgame show uh, as he did his thing and, and allowed me the, the space to learn and grow on the job. Hmm. Well said, Ryan. And again, remember the days uh, very, very well. And again, it, it went from just the passion of the idea of, of, of having a hockey show, talking about hockey, until here come the Golden Knights and everything else. And then, like you said, the dominoes just, just fell. But there was, there was a natural chemistry there. And like you said, it just, it just started off as, 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 you know, through friendship and just through banter and through just you know, having that, that commonality of, of the love of hockey, right? Yeah, 100%. I mean, you know, you, Frank's the kind of guy, he was the kind of guy that could get along with anybody. He... he really made it easy and you know he saw something in me that i didn't see in myself and and he um i'm fortunate that he he saw it i'm fortunate that he helped me hone in on it and helped it grow and um yeah i mean there wasn't anyone in the building that that i would that i just had that kind of chemistry with and, and that immediate 
uh, desire to, to sit and talk and debate and go back and forth. And, and I knew at the end, whether we agreed or disagreed, whatever it was, um, Frank would always have a one-liner right at the end, right? Like he would always kind of have that joke in his back pocket ready to unleash it, and, and he'd get you when you weren't expecting it, and it would just kind of uh, – it would, it would allow you to kind of settle in and just recognize that you're, you're in a space with a guy that just really gets it and knows how to get the best out of people. And, and you know, Frank was, was certainly that for me. You got it. All right, Ryan, uh, we appreciate you, my friend. Uh, you continue to do a fantastic job on the Golden Knights uh, broadcasts uh, and the Daily Show. Uh, we're, we're always listening. I'm always listening, my man. And, um, again, continue up the great work. And I know you miss Frank uh, just like we all do. And he has a special place in your heart, and I appreciate you sharing some moments with us today. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity, PC. Thank you. There he is, Ryan, the hockey guy, Wallace. Also a great follow on Twitter. And, of course, you can hear him you know, down the dial. Uh, again, pregame, postgame, intermission report, and the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Um, sticking with that theme and actually being the original tag team partner of Ballpark Frank uh, was Clayton Hamilton. And we talk about... You know, a, a passion with these two guys and the chemistry that they had, uh, it was from day one. It was from the day one before the Golden Knights were even a, a, a thought. And then when it was a definite, the Bill Foley says, we're bringing this hockey team uh, to Vegas. And uh, these two guys uh, were there at the forefront uh, from game number one in season one. And Clayton Hamilton joins us now. What is up, Clayton? Hey, how's it going, TC? I wish we were uh, better circumstances. Understand, to, uh, my friend. Get together. Under understand, but I uh, just wanted you to to uh, give some frank uh, some frank thoughts in, in moments, and again, not just from you know your your time together and in, in broadcasting together, but just uh, you know you know outside of uh, the hockey rink in the studio as well too. The thing that I love about Frank is that he was not lazy. And and sometimes, you know, in this business, you run into to people that have gotten comfortable. And that was never Frank. Like, he he would still go home after a full day of shows and, and watch four, five, six hockey games a night. And, and that's something that I always loved about him is that that he would work and work and work. And I don't think most people know that he had a full 40-hour-a-week job at the radio station that had nothing to do with being on the air. And he would do that plus all of the on-the-air stuff. And just, you want to talk about a guy that just grabs a shovel and gets it done, that's Frank. Mm -hmm. And uh, then, you know, the location, you know, stuff uh, on, on game nights where you guys are together, you know, the seven and eight hours uh, at a time. And uh, you saw how many uh, Coca-Colas this guy would uh, would, uh, <laughs> would would down. And he, he would, you would be the guy that would bring the binder full of notes, and Frank would be bringing the two-liter of bottles in, into restaurants. <laughs> Yeah, I, I had the binder full of notes, and Frank had the brain full of notes. Yeah, and, and that was we were just kind of the odd couple uh, that way. But and that's the funny thing too about Frank is as much as you knew about hockey, what I really loved about Frank is when Frank and I weren't doing the show, we didn't talk about hockey much <laughs> because Frank was one of those few people, and, and uh, hopefully I was with him too. We could talk about we could talk about tennis. Or we could talk about Australian rules football. Like there wasn't, there wasn't a, a sport that was off the off the grid for him. So whether it's track and field or you know ski jumping, bobsled, it, it didn't matter. Uh, like Frank liked to take a break from sports with other sports, and and what a joy. 
That's it. All right. Clayton Hamilton, the king of all Olympic sports. That's it. Just not the marquee sports, but all sports, my friend. That's right. Nine weeks to the Winter Olympics. (laughs) There you go. Brother, I appreciate you. I know you're always listening. Uh, Stay in contact. And uh, God bless you, my friend. And thanks for sharing some thoughts with uh, Frank today. Uh, Thanks. And thanks for having me, TC. You got it. There he is. Clayton Hamilton. Again, the original broadcast crew of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show uh, and also the pre- and post-game show. Clayton Hamilton, Frank Harnish, Ryan the Hockey Guy Wallace, and our next guest, who is actually the producer, my producer, Frank's producer, and again, still covers the Golden Knights, and a, a fond, fond friend of Frank. And I know that he, Frank has always had a deep spot in Chris Chapman's heart because it, it goes be, b- before hockey. It goes beyond that. And uh, I know there's, there's nearly more than a decade's worth of a relationship there. And Magnum, we appreciate you joining us, my man. Yeah, yeah. I wish it was uh, under better circumstances, of course. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned it all. I mean, I've known Frank since 2004. So, I mean, what are we, 17 years? Mm-hmm, right. Um, I mean, almost all of my adult life I've, I've known him. So, uh, yeah, obviously a very uh, emotional last couple of days for me, for me, and I know for a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. When you think about some of those ballparkisms, you know, we had talked to, you know, Nick, uh, you know, had called in last hour, and he was talking about he remembers, you know, Frank just yelling at the computer, almost throwing the computer down the hallway, and uh, you know, and we we remember those tantrums, and we remember those meetings, and we talked earlier about when you know Frank was, you know, basically by management said, hey, you got to shed the ballpark Frank name, you know, you're going to be doing hockey now, your new name is VGK Frank, and I got vetoed with Icebox Frank, as, as you remember. I liked I liked uh, Frankie Puckface. I thought that was pretty good too. But uh, yeah, the Nick Nick bringing up the computer stories. I mean, they're they're stuff, the stuff of legend. I mean, you if you shared a building with him and you 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 know my my office was literally right down the hall from his. And after five o'clock, he'd had to do the make good spots. And unfortunately, it was at the same time a lot of other people were were running pretty uh, heavy stuff on their computers. So of course, everything was slow and. Yeah, I, I learned a few new ones, and I grew up in New Jersey. I heard ones I hadn't heard before. So, uh, yeah, the this, this stuff of legend with, with him having to make those those good spots. Absolutely. My man, I appreciate you taking a few minutes uh, and joining us here today. It's, uh, it's great seeing you around town, especially uh, at the Golden Knights games. And, again, uh, part, parting, parting words uh, for, for our good friend, Ballpark Frank. Oh, man, I mean, he – Everything you hear about what a kind and gentle and just caring person he is. You know, I, I said it this morning. Um, this guy, he say he he was so charitable. He donated not pints of blood. He donated gallons of blood. And the the, the lasting memory I'll have is how many lives he saved by doing that that noble deed of just donating blood and and it's pretty incredible when you think about it TC. Yeah, absolutely. And we always talk about that, you know, the guy that would give uh, the shirt off of his own back even though I, I wouldn't want his shirt because it was either a Blackhawks <laughs> Bears or but I am wearing I am wearing an Ohio State Buckeye shirt in his memory today. So th- there you go, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, 
unfortunately for Frank, not a, not a good weekend for Ohio State. But uh, but, but last night, but look about last night, they upset yeah, Duke. Yeah, see? So there you go. I, I, I think they got the message. You I, know, and I they, think they, he had something they, to do they with won, that. They beat Duke for him. <laughs> All right, brother Magnum. Thanks, brother. Great, great talking with you. Of course, TC. We'll yeah, you have a great night, man. Thank you. There he is. All right, uh, and rounding out the Lotus family, a guy that spent a lot of time with Frank, not just uh, you know from the hockey perspective, but again, just doing shows, whether it was it was football or regular sports shows or doing remotes, uh, a longtime uh, friend. And, of course, another broadcast icon here in Las Vegas is Clay Baker. And, Clay, thanks for uh, joining us, my man. What's happening? Oh, thank you for having me, TC. It's an absolute honor to, uh, to go and speak the praises of the great Frank Harness. Thanks for having me on. You have the floor, my friend. G- tell me, what is – give us a, one of the best things – about working with Frank because you know you worked with him on location in studio yeah. in the building outside of the building as well too and so I know you have a unique perspective of working with Frank. Well, he also had like the living history of Lotus Broadcasting because you know he was also deep into the sports world, but he was also the overnight host yes. on Comp ninety two three the Rock Station as yes. Frank Frederick. From the uh, Midnight Asylum, Overnight Asylum. Right. And, and we used to have so much fun just uh, reliving, like, uh, you know, all the crazy stuff that used to happen at, at that building over the years, you know. And that's when, like, you know, in the, in the 90s, 80s and 90s, that was sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and that was what you could get in the break room. And he had such a great time with rock and roll and in sports. But, you know, working with a guy like that is this real extreme professional. And he never missed a day. Never. Mm. In fact, when he got into a car accident just a block away from the station, he refused to get in the ambulance. He was like, <laughs> I remember him like in awe. I'm like, my guy, Frank, get in the hospital. He's like, just put the neck brace on me and I'm going to the show. <laughs> he had to get to the Parkway Tavern to do his show. <laughs> Who has a broken neck? And is going to do the show, Frankwood. And that was the kind of guy he was. Uh, he was just a tireless performer. And uh, working with a guy like that had a great sense of humor. We were always telling each other jokes. And he was a lot of fun to be with. Yeah, and like you said, Clay, uh, you know, that accident was so treacherous. And, you know, we, we knew that, like, wow, this is some serious stuff. And, and, and it was. But this is a guy, I didn't even get a chance to go visit him in the hospital because he was out of the hospital in a day and a half. He goes, no, I'm out of here. You know, and, and that's the thing about Frank because, I mean, he was rough. He was rugged. and But he was a, a teddy bear. But the bottom line, no one was going to tell him, you know, what to do. I mean, he threatened to walk out on this show numerous times if, if, if we played any uh, sound bite he didn't want to hear. <laughs> I uh, know he had uh, zero sense of humor. If you're going to make fun of the Bears, uh, Ditka, or Ohio State, well, as you said, and I, but that's how we did. I could not say a former Green Bay Packer quarterback who'd been uh, taking snaps over the last twenty plus years, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Either one of those guys. <laughs> oh, that is so good. You know what? And uh, he definitely had that about him. Like he had such a funny sense of humor about things. And one of them was we used to go to concerts together. One of them was Roger Waters at T-Mobile. 2017, T-Mobile had not even really opened yet. It was like, you know, middle of summer, and uh, Chris Chapman, Bobby, Frank, and I all decided to go together, and I made Frank drive because I was, you know, if you're going to see Roger Waters, you're going to party, and he didn't drink. He He didn't drink or party. In fact, Frank was a guy that gave blood every other month. His entire life, he, he just felt it was his duty to do so. <laughs> uh, it was just a guy. So uh, I, of course, uh, got us lost 
I don't know how I got us lost, but I was trying to say, look, you can find Harmon now attaches to the strip, turn right, and we got into all sorts of traffic. Middle of summer, in order to get me back, and he was hating me for it, he rolled down all the windows and turned up the, <laughs> turned up the heat. <laughs> so we could all suffer because Clay made the wrong turn and Clay made us wait. And uh, that was what it was like working with Frank. It was so much fun. <laughs> yeah, darn Clay. I Clay, the producer. There it is. My man, great memories, great stuff. Uh, thanks for uh, bringing some levity and some humor uh, to the okay. tribute today. And uh, I know, just like all of us, uh, you miss him dearly. Uh, keep up the good work, man. Raider Nation Radio, Clay Baker, you the man. I appreciate you. Uh, thank you, TC. And you never look better in Ohio State gear. Thank you. Thank you. There it is. <laughs> uh, take it one for the team today. There you go. All right, Clay Baker. Uh, the great crew over at uh, Lotus Broadcasting that I you know, had the privilege of working with for nearly five years as well, too. Uh, fantastic uh, stuff. Uh, Armando Vasquez, loyal listener lo- and one of Frank's closest friends, and another former employee you know, back in the day with Frank uh, at Lotus. But, but Armando has always been there. For Frank, uh, whether it's you know gatherings and events, uh, remotes, or just hey, let's go out and watch the fights, uh, my man, I appreciate you spending some time with us today. Give us some Frank thoughts. Thank you. Hey, how you doing, TC? Uh, man, I'm, I have tears rolling down my eyes listening to my the homie Clay and Chris talking about the you know the past. There, I'm like, wow. You know, all those things I was a part of too. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> you know, and then, brother. Absolutely, and then. And then listening to Ryan, I, I was like, I, I remember when the Rink Rex podcast started, bro. And that's what got me into hockey, so wanting to see. I mean, because be, be that as, let me tell you real quick, I was not a hockey fan before the Golden Knights came. And, you know, uh, man, me and Frank would have some crazy knockdown, you know, discussions, you know. You know how we, you know how we talk to each other. Yep. <laughs> you know, and. I invited him over one time. Let me tell you this real quick. To the house, we were going to watch a UFC fight. We got to the fight. He got there, right? Now, he's very close with my family, just to let you know. Yes. And uh, so, uh, so we get there. He gets there, got there early, and I'm like, okay, you're here early. Come on in, man. I'm still getting things together. And he didn't leave the front door area. And then I go, he goes, I need the Blackhawk game on. I say, what? <laughs> I need the Blackhawks game on now. Like, what are you talking about? We're here to watch the, the fight. I, I had to go get my daughter out of her room, go put TV on the channel that he took so he could watch the Blackhawk games while I'm watching the preliminary fights of the UFC. Mm. It was just the funniest thing, but that's who he was. Mm. <laughs> so I spent the rest of the evening giving him so much. I almost said that word I shouldn't be saying. <laughs> you know? That's okay. We can edit that out. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, so, I mean, so, I mean, it just, uh, anyways, but he, he, you know, he, I, I always leaned on him and Ryan and asked them a lot of questions trying to figure out hockey. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, to me right now, it's, that's the one thing I'm going to miss the most about the guy is that, uh, you know, talking hockey. Right. You know, you know, let's not forget, I hung out with him all the time. We went to fights together. You've been to, with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, we went to fights with you. Yeah. I mean, in fact, I think we got you in trouble one time because you were down there sitting with us instead of where you're supposed to be. <laughs> this is true. I, I got reprimanded. How come you're not in the media yeah. section? Why are you sitting out there with, with those other guys? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I got I mean, to sit with my peeps. That's why. My guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and then we go to concerts together. We go, we hung out at a local establishment here to watch fights, to watch, just to get together. I mean, the football games, it didn't matter. I mean, 
going there now, I mean, I, I'm, I don't even want to go there just because I, it doesn't feel right to right. me. You know, I tell the other guys that we, our little core group that we have that mm-hmm. goes there, like, I don't, I don't want to go there. It, it doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. And he told me you, just a couple weeks ago, it's like, look, go, you know, don't worry about me. You know, you can, I understand, go have fun. But I was there with my brother-in-law, another buddy of ours, and it just doesn't feel right. But... You know, I'll have to get over that eventually. Armando, you know, <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate you sharing some laughs uh, with us and thoughts, and I know how close uh, Frank has been to you and will continue to be in your heart. Uh, I love you, man. I appreciate you uh, always. And, love you, bro. You know, just uh, you know, keep on keeping on, man. You betcha, man. And we'll we got to get together one time a little toast for for Frank. Man. We're, well, we're doing that, okay? We will do that next week. Book it, my friend. Thanks, Armando. Appreciate All right. you. Good. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. You got it. There he is, Armando, loyal listener. But bottom line, one of Frank's closest friends. We know how much Frank loved food, right? And the debates that we would have, and just the great discussions we would have. Yeah. Here's a classic one. Ballpark. What's going on, my man? Yeah, you know, just uh, wolfing down some Freddies here before the show. Thanks to them uh, for some great grub once again. And, uh, yeah, the tennis um, isn't starting until 2 a.m. now. So, you know, it's kind of a late start time. So try to coordinate late, all not that Not late for well. you. What are you talking about? It's prime time for you. Well, it, it can you're be in middle, sometimes. You're in the middle of insomnia at that time. I, I, I just up on Mountain Dew. I, I, I do try to get some sleep. It just usually doesn't work out very well. I think Numchuck is becoming a big fan of the Chicago dog. Now, would you argue that it's not really Chicago dog since he has a couple things off? Do you have to have everything on it? Because I know you don't mm-hmm. think I eat Chicago dogs because I eat everything just completely plain. Right. It's a very good question. Good point. And I have to say it's not a Chicago dog because the Chicago dog has all the bells and whistles from the tomatoes to the sport peppers to the, the onions, uh, the mustard. I mean, that is your traditional Chicago dog with a little bit of the celery there. But uh, as you know, I am a mustard and grilled onions guy. So I'll just say, give me the hot dog combo with grilled onions and mustard. So I think that's probably not a Chicago dog. But then again, it, it kind of to each his own. You know, Chicago is a city of suburbs. Yes. So maybe it's like, uh, you know. I got the Arlington maybe, Heights one. How's that? Maybe it's one of the, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Maybe it's one of the suburbs of Chicago. <laughs> for, very nice. Now, for, for me, it all started at Wrigley Field with the Vienna all-beef hot dogs at Wrigley Field. And when you walk into Wrigley Field, if you go right to the right of the concession stand there, they're grilling them up. The onions are on there, and it's just like, Oh, that, you can smell it. them, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you, you can smell them outside of the ballpark. But exactly. Once you get in the doors, oh. then it's like it just, I almost said overwhelming, but it's overwhelming in a good way. You know, think about this, too, now that I, I'm jogging my memory here. Of all the ballparks I've been to, and you could probably attest to this as well, too, that Wrigley Field is probably the only one where you go in the main gate, the main entrance, and immediately to your right, you have a a concession stand. Most parks, you've got to go upstairs or escalators or that sort of thing. You have to kind of find them. You've got to find them. Yeah, you've got to walk a ways. But right when you come through the main gate there on Clark and Addison, boom, it's right there to the right. And then if you go a little bit down the first baseline... Then you can get the actual cart that they have, the Vienna hot dogs well, too. But again, the Vienna dog, the Chicago dog, traditional 
gold medalist uh, as far as hot dogs, uh, plain and simple. That's where it all started for me. That's why I'm a, I'm a big hot dog guy and a Vienna dog guy. Well, as you know, I'm not a Cubs or a White Sox fan, but mm-hmm. I did go to tons of games right. there. But the original Comiskey Park, before they built whatever that ugly thing is that they yeah. have now and everything, but I used to like that because it was one of the only stadiums that I know of, and I haven't been to as many as you, but I've been to quite a few different mm-hmm. places around the country. It was one of the few ballparks where each concession stand had their own identity kind of like you could get like you get an italian beef at this one you could get the chicago dogs at this one you could get a pizza thing at this yes. i mean they if, as you walked around the park and especially over in, in left field in the picnic area where they had that chain link fence and you mm-hmm. could literally look right out on the field and that that was a different area of its own so it was one of the few places i knew where it wasn't like you just go to a concession stand and okay here's the concession stand they literally had different things and they were making it all up fresh like you said how the ambiance and and the smell of the food in that at Wrigley Field when you first walk in. But at Comiskey, it would change from different area to different area, and it was all like just... It was almost like a, a food court or something of a ballpark. Mm-hmm. It's not like that at the new park, but the the original Comiskey Park, it was like, that was one of the things about it, because you, you also had access. You could walk around the entire ballpark. So that's strange, because they were probably one of the first, because if you go to just about any ballpark now, that's what you get. Yeah, and like I say, I went there because I wasn't a White Sox fan, but I, I like I, lo- I love baseball, and I did go for the ambience there. But also, I mean, I saw Danny Ainge play shortstop. Yeah, <laughs> you know, a lot right. of people probably don't even remember. Right. Well, some some of the younger people might not right. even know who Danny Ainge is, yeah. but they think of him as a basketball player. I, I saw him get to play short, and you know when we talked to some of these uh, old players and that, you know, and when the Brewers would come to town and you know Bambi's Bombers and this and I mean it was like it, it was just it was fun. You know, and, and Bill Veck had a way to find to to get entertaining teams on the field mm-hmm. with his rent a player and this and that, Richie Zisk and Oscar Gamble and they were hitting back to back and then I mean they were fun times there. Mm-hmm. And I usually actually root against the Sox, but whatever. It was still fun. How do we go from food to that? See? Can we get back to the food part? Right. Because the, it was the food at the ballpark. Right. <laughs> like I say, the picnic area was, was incredible. Right. You could sit down there. They had picnic benches and that. You could order your food, yeah. sit there, and then watch the game yeah. right through the, the chain link fence in left field. See, San Francisco has great food there where the Giants play. But I never could get used to the clam chowder at a ball game. And people would rave about it, especially they had it at Candlestick Park, where it would always be freezing. Now, this park is is much better. It's better located, so it's not really, really cold. Are you good with sushi at the ballpark? No, I'm not good with sushi. Because they, they have that in Seattle. Know, right? They have it there, and they have it in San Francisco as well, say, too. I figure yeah. they probably have yeah. it in, Seattle, but, you know, in San Francisco. I've kind of, you know, the traditionalist that I am, just like you, I've kind of softened my stance on that. Because, like, okay, there's no place for that at ballparks. Okay, people like it. And take advantage of it. That's okay. It's a twist because I would always be that guy. I'm having a hot dog and that's it. Maybe nachos, that sort of thing. But I've ventured off. Again, I love Philly cheesesteaks. So now I will go off with that. An occasional burger. And I really love that. Back to the Aviators game. They have got some great burgers there. I like that. But the clam chowder I've never done. The garlic fries, of course. In San Francisco is famous for that sort of thing. See, it, it, it doesn't bother me if they have anything like that at the ballpark, as long as that's not all that they have. As long right. as they still have the traditional, normal, yeah. simple stuff for, yeah. for you know, for, for Neanderthals like me, yeah. I'm fine with it, you know. Right. You know, g- g- give, me a, give me a pretzel. Give mm. me a dog or a burger or something like that. I'm good. Well, you, you know? know what else I've really gotten into, too, over the years at ballparks is the, the barbecue. You go back to Boog Powell's place 
over there at, at Orioles Park. And that was one of the first. And Orlando Cepeda had a place. They put his name on it. Exactly. In, in San Francisco. <laughs> and uh, so when I went to Dodger Stadium, I noticed a, a few years back, because I think they just, re- I don't know if it was recently added it, but they out in the pavilion in the left field there, they had this great barbecue. they the King's Hawaiian buns and uh, a little Hawaiian taste of that nature, too. And again, you know, venturing off a little bit. No, this is pretty good because people think Dodger Stadium. Oh, it's all about the Dodger dog. But again, everyone is now come full circle and and doing all this. And it's it's smart business. It really is because there are people that go to the park just to check out the ambience and go for food. They do that. And and what the price is to pay for food at most major league ballparks, anyhow. I mean, you should have a choice, and it should be pretty yeah. good. I, I, and and I know a lot of these ballparks now, and I haven't seen a lot of them, and I've certainly ordered them because you know how plain I am. You know, just yeah. a, a burger plain, a hot dog plain, this, that, or the other. But, you know, I, I know a lot of these places are like now they're famous for like, oh, we have this gigantic contraption of, you know, Three patties and a this and a that. I mean, yeah. they're combining all these things, and they have these monstrous things. Like, yeah. oh, it's like thirty six dollars for this thing. Uh, but if you eat it all, oh, you're gonna. Oh. Uh, well, first off, you're probably gonna miss a lot of the game in the restroom. But oh uh, yeah, yeah, I've got, I've got a few <laughs> stories about that. So this buddy of mine, again, kid in a candy store, right? So it's like a 90-degree day in Milwaukee, okay? A little humid and everything. I was going to say, so there's humidity in there, there as well. There, there you go, right? Okay, our seats are behind the visitor's dugout, and about 10 rows back, sun is just baking on us on a Sunday afternoon. So me and my one buddy, we go ahead and get the tri-tip. Here comes my other guy, the kid in the candy store guy. What's he coming with? A brewer's helmet with nachos in it with sour cream... And all this other nonsense like you're talking about in there, I don't need to tell you what happened by the third inning. Yeah, And you're not talking like a little mini helmet where they put a Sunday in or something no, like no, that. No, no, the I real mean, they're, helmet. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. big helmets. Yeah. So they, and the pla- they're not real helmets, but the size. Oh, no, no, but exactly. I'm saying the right. size-wise, yeah. And, yeah. It's like, and you look at something like that, and you're like, is, is that for all six of us or something or whatever? And it's like... But again... And people take it as a challenge. To, yes. I ordered it, and yes. I paid for it, now I'm going to eat yes. it. It's like... No. Yeah. So we had to tell this clown, uh, do you realize that sour cream, when the sun hits, on top of nacho, not really a good thing. It becomes really sour cream. Exactly. (laughs) I've worked in some restaurants and and kitchen lines and that. I've worked in some really nice places, and I've worked in a couple that you just, you know, you you, you throw it up and you, you, you you, you throw it in the window and for people to take it out. But, like, one thing, when I worked in casinos and that years ago as a cook... I never ate in Helps Hall. I always made my own stuff because I'm not eating that stuff. You know, it was a stuff on the other. Not that it was bad, bad, but it wasn't as good. Yeah. Again. So you're telling me there's a chance. Absolutely. Major League Baseball fans who drink the most. So there is a a ranking or a rating of all the major league teams slash parks. Who has the I guess the booziest fans? The biggest beer sales, the biggest and, and beer, liquor sales. Well, probably. yeah, guys, and these are average drinks per game per individual. Okay, so it goes okay. by how many people are in the seats and that kind of I, stuff. I, so. I guess so. So it says, well, which makes sense because some stadiums like Wrigley Field doesn't seat as many, but I'm sure that Cubs fans probably drink a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So you got average drinks per game and average spent on alcohol. Care to take a guess who is at the top of the list? Well, I know they pride themselves in in Milwaukee and Wisconsin of drinking a lot. So you would think, right? The Milwaukee Brewers 
check in at number nine. Number one, my friend, is your ballpark that you referenced at the beginning of this segment. Comiskey? Yeah. Chicago White Sox. There it is. I mean, it makes sense. Those drunk bastards. 4.2 drinks per game. Average alcohol spent per person, $46. Well, you're probably having a drink or two just to congratulate yourself on making it into that ballpark in that neighborhood safely. (laughs) There he is, Ballpark Frank, and our discussion way back when of ballpark food, different ballparks, because, as we know, food is so important to us. And speaking of Chicago, our good friend who's known Frank... For a long, long time. Spent time with him on the radio and, of course, as a guest on our show and, and seeing him at the fights and everywhere else around town. The one and only Chicagoan, Al Bernstein. Al, thanks for taking the time and joining us today, my friend. Well, I, yeah, I, you know, this is uh, for anyone uh, that, that knew Frank and was involved with him. And I knew him for many, many years. Um, good dating all the way back to when Lotus Broadcasting was in a different building, <laughs> you know, and uh, back when I was working with Frank uh, there. And, um, it was, you know, I, I just knew him for so long. And I can tell you, I've been in broadcasting for 40 years, right? I don't think I have ever met a nicer guy than Frank Harnish. I mean, that's just a basic fact. Um, and I don't think you would get anybody in Las Vegas or anybody that's uh, been around him to say different. You're 100% right, Al. And a, and a guy that uh, will do anything for anyone. And, you know, what I've always said, too, that he is a guy that is will not only will do anything for anybody, and we talked about him giving blood and donating, you know, uh, you know his time and everything else of that nature, but just a guy that would never say I- no. I mean, I just know from my perspective, if you needed him to do something, he would do it, and then he would be all in with doing it all the time. And you've been around here long enough where you know that he was more than just uh, you know sports. I mean, he had a music background, or he worked on the music stations there at Lotus as well, too. And he did a variety of different shows, working with a variety of different hosts as well, too. And, there, you know, and then when the hockey thing came around, I mean, Frank had never covered hockey before, but they said, hey, you know, you're probably the closest closest guy in this building because you're from the Midwest and you follow the Blackhawks. Uh, you want to be our hockey guy? And, and he never covered hockey before, but he loved it, but he ran with it and he did an awesome job. That's the type of guy he was just not only as a person, but, but as a worker as well too, and a broadcaster. Yeah. You know, he is a true radio guy. You know, Frank, his life was about radio and you make the interesting point that he did just about everything you can do in the radio sports industry. And the other thing that I think made Frank great, you know, he was every man. When you heard him on the radio, he was like your neighbor or the guy you visited with at the bar. Um, that was one of his charms, you know. I, I think that more than anything ingratiated him to the people that listened to him. You you felt comfortable. You felt like, okay, I'm talking. This is this is the guy I want to hang out with, and you would want to be going to have a drink with him. Absolutely, and you know, you guys had this 
this love for not only sports, but you guys are both Chicago guys. And I know whether it was, you know, in the building or out in an event, or especially when we had you on the show together, we would always talk about Chicago because you guys had this, you know, this, this commonality of the windy city together. And I think that was a, a special bond between you two guys. Yeah, I think, you know, listen, the, the thing about Las Vegas is not everyone now, a lot of people are from Las Vegas, but so many of us came from other places. We, we, we love our second home in Las Vegas, but you always have a, you know, a special yearning and feeling to the place you're from. And Frank and I did share that, and that was a, that was a fun common bond, and, uh, and it made for good radio conversation as well as good conversation you know, off the radio. And um, I know that even looking at the reaction of, of everybody in Las Vegas, um, I don't know the last time I saw the kind of reaction to somebody passing away that I've heard and seen in regards to Frank. You know, it, 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 it is a universal kind of a sadness over it. But hopefully we can, and I love that you're doing this tribute and you're talking about him, kind of a chance to celebrate his life as well. You got it. Al, appreciate uh, the time as always, my friend, and uh, we look forward to talking with you really, really soon. All right, take care. Thanks for doing this. All right, Al Bernstein, uh, one of the legends, of course, uh, the International Boxing Hall of Famer. Uh, It's always great having Al on. He's a regular, and uh, there was a special bond between him and Frank. And another special bond from Chicago as we transition with all of our ballpark food talk, our Wrigley Field, the old Comiskey Park, and then Al Bernstein is Chuck Esposito (laughs) over at Red Rock as well, too. And uh, I know Frank uh, had a real special place uh, in Chuck's heart as well. Chuck, what's going on, my friend? Hey, TC. Uh, first, it, you know, it's always good to be on with you. Uh, unfortunately, not under these circumstances. You know, my, my thoughts and prayers go out to uh, Ballpark and his family. Um, saw him here a few weeks ago uh, at Red Rock. He kind of filled me in on what he was going through and seemed to be doing a little bit better. He, he said the big concern was his hair, so he was wearing a hat, which we, we kind of got a, a chuckle about. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, having the ties to uh, to Chicago, it was always fun to, you know, no matter what we were talking about, what sport, to start talking about Chicago sports, and especially kind of the Blackhawks. Uh, him and I had a, a huge love for, and we'd start going back and forth on, you know, on our on our on our optimism every season, even though it looked a little bit bleak, but he'll be sorely missed. was a was a great contributor um, to the industry, and I know to a to a friend of many. I don't think you guys ever disagreed about the Blackhawks. You know, I remember you know being part of the, a lot of those conversations as well, whether it's on the air or off the air. I mean, when you start talking Blackhawks, the passion just oozed out of both of you guys. I mean, you would you would ramp it up. You could go for hours. <laughs> we could. I think it was like that for all Chicago sports. Yeah. You could hear it in uh, in both of our voices that you're right. I think passion's a, a good word to have, and you know I know he had it for uh, for Chicago sports, for uh, being on the radio, for the industry that he loved, and for a lot of his friends. And uh, again, it's it's not going to be the same. Not hearing that kind of that that monotone voice. Uh, 
uh, come across about uh, you know Chicago sports. Yeah, and again, Chuck, you know there was the uh, the, the parties over at uh, you know at your properties, and then there were the remotes uh, you know that Frank uh, was involved with as well too. I mean, there was just so many things. Whether it's giving blood and everything that he did there, uh, and I know how much he loved you know going uh, not only to your sports book but just you know being on on the property and visiting with you as well. Yeah, same. You know, I always loved talking to him in the book and uh, always came out to all the events. If it was some of our draft parties or seminars or our Sunday viewing parties, I know that, that you frequented as well and a lot of other um, media personalities in the industry were always coming out. If it was Andy Isco or, Ble- or Brian right. Blessing or, or, or you guys, uh, we always had a lot of fun with that stuff. And uh, um, But I always knew who to go to, uh, again, to, to kind of chat about Chicago sports. And we always, you know, looked at the glass half half full, you know. When a lot of other people were looking at it half empty, we always found a way to to make it out that our team was going to be okay, even though that wasn't always the case. Chuck, I appreciate uh, you joining us uh, today. The thoughts and uh, the memories, uh, great stuff, and we look forward to seeing you over at Red Rock very, very soon, my friend. All right. Thanks, TC. Again, uh, extremely sorry to hear the, about the passing of Ballpark, and uh, he'll sorely be missed. Um, thanks for letting me come on and, and say a few words. I really appreciate it. Appreciate you, my friend. Great stuff. Thanks, Chuck. Thanks. There he is, Chuck Esposito over at Red Rock, many, many years over at Sunset Station, and Chuck's a, a staple here uh, in Vegas as well. Speaking of another staple, uh, not just here in, in Vegas, but of course in the boxing community, uh, not only just a, a great friend of our program, but just a great friend in general, and a guy that even goes uh, back further uh, than myself. Uh, he goes back further with Ballpark Frank, and we're talking about the one and only uh, Jacob Stitch Duran. Stitch, what is going on, my friend? Well, you know, you tell me. You know, I, I woke up this morning and I, I saw the ticker tape on the news, and, you know, I guess what better guy to confirm than with you, right? And uh, But it gave me chills, you know, once, once I started reading it and, uh, you know, I had to touch base with you because, as, as my wife said, you know, when we, when we did the last show together, uh, we walked out and uh, she said, God, they sure are a great combination together, mm-hmm. right? And uh, But, you know, the thing I remember always about Ballpark Frank is one of the things that really inspired me about him is that uh, when the UFC let me go, he calmly asked if I'd be interested in, in talking about it. And, uh, you know, of course, you know, I think Ballpark knows more about me than I knew about myself. You know, mm-hmm. So he would bring up some real positive things about me. And, uh, yeah, you're right. You know, I, I knew him before I knew you. And uh, I never turned him down for an interview because I knew that every interview that he did was going to be top of the line. And I remember because you and I had you know done interviews before, and then I remember when Frank came to, to join me here, going back a year and a half or so ago, and I just remember the joy on his face when I said, "Hey, Stitch is coming on today." He goes, "Stitch, I love Stitch," and I really wasn't aware of the relationship that you guys had. And then you had told me, "Oh my God!" I go so far back with Ballpark, and it was great when we got a chance, the three of us, to get together. And a lot of times, I had no problem of just sitting back and just watching you guys you know engage and interact and, and share a lot of those memories and for me that was really cool <laughs> yeah. you know there's nothing like behind the scenes right and and uh, ballpark frank was you know one of the ones that we had many stories with but you know he was just so suave you know he had that personality that uh, you don't know if you could make him laugh or you don't know if he could make you laugh uh, but one way or the other we always got along great and uh, even when I was in doing interviews, you know, just to see him in person, 
at events was always a big pleasure. Stitch, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate uh, your love for Frank, uh, your love for myself, and uh, always being there when we need you. You're one of the busiest guys on the planet, and uh, you're working just about every weekend at every major fight. Uh, it was great seeing you a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, it's uh, it Sean's fight, uh, you know, with Crawford, and uh, I look forward to seeing you again and having you back on the air, my friend, under Dirk, uh, under different circumstances. Well, uh, you know, anytime, TC. Now you're. Uh... You're the new ballpark prank, man, so we got to keep that uh, pledge going, huh? Thank you, brother. Appreciate you, Stitch. All right, my man. One love. You got it. One love all the way. Stitch Duran, one of the best. And again, it doesn't matter. Sports celebrities, icons, Hall of Famers, listeners, uh, everyone has has a great love for our good friend, Ballpark Frank. And... uh, and again, I think that's the beauty part uh, of this show because everyone that we have on here, uh, no matter what their status is, it's uh, it, it's family. And uh, sharing these stories is, is fantastic and is very therapeutic, especially going through a very rough time in the past you know, 48 hours like we've had. Uh, Stitch talked about laughing. Well, uh, we had a lot of laughs on this show with Frank, and I was so proud to call him my partner and especially when we did our terrible Tuesday segments you never knew what was going to come out of Frank's mouth you never knew which direction when we had a story uh, exactly where it was going to take us this is one of those all right well you want to you want to talk about sad you know it's illegal to have fighting roosters you know that right fighting roosters are we talking cockfights cockfights yes I love a good cockfight okay well a lot of people like a good cock Whatever, I'm not touching that either. And I mean, literally, already, I'm not touching. You already that. went to the G spot. I'm talking about. I'm talking about South Carolina. I'll, I'll, I'll touch one. I'm not touching They're the other. Fighting gamecocks. What are you talking yes, about? They are the gamecocks. Yeah, you don't want to touch any cocks. I understand that. All right, fighting well, or non? You know, fighting or flaccid. Cockfighting is also illegal in India. However, it still goes on just like it does in other places in the world. Well, at an illegal cockfight in India, 45 year old. Tangula Satish was putting razor blades on his fighting cock to get ready for a match. Now, they frequently put razor blades on the talons and the feet of the roosters because it causes blood and it makes the fights go quicker in that. And the crowd usually likes a bloodier fight because it's more entertaining Wait, can to I, them. Can I ask you something? I always was under the impression that the cock fights automatically had razor blades. I mean, I believe that each cock always has a razor blade. That's part of it, right? Right, but but they have to put them on them. Right, but but that's why they do it to to. But make I thought you were saying blood. that some of them, you know, there there are cockfights without razor blades. I don't. I have not been to every cockfight, so <laughs> I don't know. In fact, I've been to zero of them. But from what I understand, in this particular situation, they were putting it on. Would you like to go to Tijuana this weekend? I would really rather not. Okay. I don't need to see cockfights or the donkey show any of the above. Thank you very much. But um, okay. But anyhow, is that maybe Gula jump over the wall? Was putting the three-inch razor blade yeah. on the talon of his rooster or fighting cock. Something spooked the rooster, and it started jumping around, and it slashed him. Oh no, this is going bad. In the groin area. Oh no, stop! It not only slashed him in the groin, but it severed a feral artery. Paramedics were called. They rushed him to the hospital. Mr. Satish did not make it to the hospital. He died en route to the hospital. And now authorities in India are investigating this entire ring, and everybody that was there could be brought up on criminal charges. But the guy who uh, was trying to make a couple extra little 
I don't know what they have over there. Dinero, Euros, whatever they have in India. Yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, he's uh he is no longer with us. And he's cockless. And he, he got cut in the groin. I don't know if that's appropriate or if it's not, so he, wow. I don't even know if Stitch Duran could have helped wow. in his corner. <laughs> Plan this any better, and he's coming with me. <laughs> Stitch Duran, we just talked to him. He got a Stitch Duran reference. You never know what we're going to talk about here. Plain and simple, the laughs with Ballpark Frank. <sighs> the hockey, the sports, the food—it doesn't matter. Ballpark Frank, iconic, and Double B joins us now. Our good friend who joins us on Friday afternoons. Uh, Brian Benowitz, uh, thanks for taking some time and joining us, and uh, give us some ballpark Frank thoughts. Well, first of all, I'd like to uh, pass on my condolences to his family. Uh, Frank was just as genuine of a human being as I've ever met. Uh, I want to thank you, TC, for bringing him on the show and really introducing me. Uh, yeah. He taught me a lot about uh, uh, the world and, of course, about tennis. <laughs> tennis was unbelievable. I, I, I never... I kind of loosely follow the big events, but he would send me texts on, on obscure matches that, hey, you got to watch this one tonight. It'll be on this channel and whatnot. And uh, uh, he was always uh, a very, very, uh, uh, like like a, a gentle bear, as, uh, as, uh, as Jay used to call him. As Jay called Schrader him bear, called him bear. bear. Exactly, right? <laughs> he just simply called him bear because he was always in his bear wear. And, uh, you know, uh, he, he was... Spot on. He learned a lot about hockey over the last few years, and we chatted a little bit about that. And uh, you know, just 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 a genuine guy, and, and somebody that anybody uh, you know w- would be uh, a pleasure to be friends with. And uh, you know, like I said, very genuine, uh, really uh, as as easygoing a guy. And uh, uh, I loved his, you know the Friday afternoons all last year through the early part of this year with him and. Uh, you know, I'm going to miss him a lot. I appreciate that, Brian. Again, he uh, always had said to me that his time in the hospital and, uh, before every Friday show, he would call or text and say, hey, please uh, give Double B my best and tell Double B hello. Or, you know, say, hey, you know, I hope he has a good time at the Golden Knights game. Because, uh, again, he, he cared for you. He loved you. And, and uh, he, he appreciated you just like we always or the, the, we all do. And I'm glad you brought up the tennis uh, because, again, he, he taught a lot of us about some of those uh, yeah. As we call secondary sports, and in turn, you turn you turned him on to pickleball as well too. So there oh, you go. Yes. <laughs> I was looking forward to the the day his back was or his 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 neck was better, so he could get up out on the pickleball courts. But he was always intrigued by it. He always told me and whatnot. So, uh, but just just a great guy and always very very quick witted. And uh, you know, like I said, uh, it was uh, a real pleasure over the last uh, year plus to really get to know Frank and. Uh, you know, uh, reading a lot of the tributes online, uh, he touched a lot of people, not only in Las Vegas, but throughout Chicago. And uh, uh, just a wonderful person. And, uh, again, I will miss him, and I will miss his smiling face as I'm rushing onto the, 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 the show there, and he's just sitting there very patient, ready to go. So uh, uh, he, he was always good. And it's amazing that you and him got along so well since you're a Packer guy and he's a Bear guy. You know, that's uh, – that's a rare thing. It, it was rare. It was it was uh it was hard to do at times. Again, he, we we can never uh, speak of a uh, number four's name or number twelve's name. I mean, he he wouldn't say the, those yeah. guys' names, so it was tough. 
<laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's a, they, they don't even mention it. it's a team from the north or the team from the south. There That's you it. Go. All right, Devil B, we appreciate the time uh, and thank you for your thoughts today. Uh, I know how busy you are, and we look forward to seeing you on Friday. And uh, we got some football to talk about this weekend. We look forward to our home there at the Cosmopolitan each and every Friday. And uh, TC, you wrote a wonderful thing on your website today. I'd, I'd encourage everybody to read it because it was just very heartfelt, and uh, I thought it was spot on. So uh, well done, TC, and all my best to uh, Ballpark Frank. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I appreciate you right, mentioning that. Thank you. Uh, go to the website, tcmartinshow.com. Uh, my thoughts are up there, and uh, today's show will be up there as well, too, as we come winding down today. Uh, we always talk about music on this show with Frank. Uh, we used to have loving, loving having those uh, discussions. Um, and uh, here's a classic one where we got It'd into It would be music. interesting for me to go through your album collection and see how many things we would have had in common. I would probably say 10%. So you got to remember, I was a rock guy. I was a pop guy. Then, of course, I was a big R&B funk guy. And a lot of the stuff that I held on to were a lot of the... Not only in my albums that, that, that I bought when I was younger, but as a DJ, I belonged to a, a DJ club where you know you would pay a monthly fee and they would send you the records for you to play at the nightclubs and all that yeah, sort of okay, thing. Yeah, okay, yeah. So the, most yeah, of like were promo colleges. copies and that sort exactly. of stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah, like so the mo- radio station, not for resale on that. It would exactly. be right on the thing. Yeah. Exactly. And so I would get those a lot before they re- would release them. And so at that point in time, I'd say, okay, I think this is going to be a hit, or I think I could play this in a club and that sort of thing. So you basically yeah. did Raider Record for yourself before it was on an American Correct. Bandstand. Correct. Very nice. Very nicely done. <laughs> now, I can tell you, that how many records that I have threw away that I discarded that I thought, okay, this is garbage, this is no good. Did you have right said, Fred, I'm too sexy? Did you throw that away? <laughs> I, 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 I kept that, I think, uh, for a while. You know what I'm saying? That because, song was garbage, and yet it, but, but it, it, it was so corny that it caught on. Yeah, right. But there are a lot of ones like that. So when you brought up Madness last week, Madness is one of those ones. So I would incorporate the Madness as part of my 10% that you would like. And of course, I had the Elton Johns, I had the Beatles, I had the Rolling Stones. You know, I had I had a lot. You know, Leonard Skinner, yeah. the Zeppelins. You know, I had all that. So that's where I'm thinking the ten percent. Okay. But then again, you know, I, I, I had the Parliament, the Funkadelics, and you know, the Brass Construction, you the BT Expresses, lo- tons of Motown Cause, cause, stuff. Because I'm a big Motown guy. So now we're up to maybe fifteen to twenty percent. I'm a big Motown. Love yeah. Motown. See, there you go. So and like I said, you like Earth, Wind, and Fire, and the yeah. Commodores. Yeah, I mean, I didn't thing. necessarily have their albums that, but yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I, I had a friend who had a jukebox, and I, I used to buy some of the 45s that would bring in then you know it's like you know tears of a clown smoky and miracles i mean yeah we uh, yeah, I, I i helped him uh you know get a nice eclectic mix in there one of the first records that i ever got is one i think that, that you would definitely be part of your 20 percent and that was a uh, dr john here we go look at this remember this one right place wrong time yeah i remember that okay it's gonna be you a little bit right I mean, it, it wasn't right in my wheelhouse. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I had this particular record. You'd have I that mean, one? I would yeah. hear it, when I would listen on the radio. I, you know, yeah. sometimes I'd listen, sometimes I would. It's I'm, funny because Doctor people... John, Doctor Hook. There was a lot of doctors back then. There was exactly. Yeah. <laughs> not to be confused with Doctor Johnny Fever. Yeah, this was the jam. This is it. Not even a jam. I mean, this was like this was a bona fide rock song, and it crossed over into pop. And it wasn't even until later years that. I realized that this is, you know, that Dr. John was really blues. 
And he was in Blues Brothers 2000, by the way. Well, and the interesting thing about music back then was a lot of it did mix over, and it was, yes. you know, I mean, you'd hear something on the R&B station and the funk yep. station and then the rock station mm-hmm. and the, you know, then the light hits or whatever they called it, you know. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that, that crossed over an awful lot. When people didn't look at color or just try to pigeonhole everything and put it in a box and say, this is what this is, right? Pump up Dr. Sean one time right here. Yeah! Look at Nunchuck's got a little groove going, too. One day, we just got to do an all-music show. We're going to do two hours. You'd be down for that. We should do a one day, a two-hour, and we will mix our favorites and our genres together. That sounds cool. You'd be down for that, right? Instead of being Dougie Doo-Wop, we can be uh, T-Sam Ballpark Do-Right. That's it. That's it. And we should do that before we get into the football season. I'm saying we do that one day in August. Are we down for that? And we were down for that. And we did the song fest. Uh, We've replayed it a couple times. We had a fantastic time with it. And where we got a chance to play some of our all-time favorite songs and introduce them along with all of our great guests. And who could forget that Ballpark Frank shocked us with one of his very own selections. So as we come to a close here on this show today. Let's go back and remember that Songfest episode where Ballpark Frank actually loved a very surprising song. And who picked this song? That would be me. Whoa! I actually am a TLC fan. Not all their stuff, but the first time I heard this song, I thought, this is incredible. I love the video. And I got to admit, she's just the right kind of crazy for me. Left Eye was awesome. Here's Waterfalls by TLC. Appreciate everybody for joining us here today with our tribute to Ballpark Frank. A lot of thanks out there. Trevor Maddich, Ryan Wallace, Brian Blessing, uh, Chris Wynn, Chris Chapman, Clayton Hamilton, Clay Baker, Armando Vasquez, Al Bernstein, Chuck Esposito, Stitch Duran, Brian Benowitz, all for giving us some thoughts and some time today. And all those guys, not just great friends of the show, but just great friends of Ballpark Frank as well. Uh, The episode will be up on the website. It'll be up there for you. And hang with us here for a couple more minutes because we're going to bring in another good friend of ours, a man who made this show happen at this station, and that's my good friend, General Manager Mark Hayes. And when I brought 
Frank on, you know, with me going back a year and a half uh, or so ago. Uh, I'll let Mark speak uh, upon that, but um, we're going to hear from Frank one more time before we sign off here today. But Mark, uh, I'm glad that you came in here and and uh, you can say a few words. Yeah, I, um, you know, I, you know, I listen. I've been listening since two, and I got to tell you, TC, it's. Um, I don't think it'd ever be the same without Frank. You know, it. I I had the pleasure of you coming in and coming from a big family over at you know the station we won't talk about but um when you came in um and listening to everybody that's talked and the tribute that i just read that you put on your facebook on your website um about frank it was spot on um i had the pleasure i mean we only had one key so you had the key to get in the building and uh frank will get here early and it's just uh, every time I came to the door, I had the pleasure of opening the door with Frank, and um, the we had a relationship that was kind of started from the door to this first desk right here. And I would open the door, Frank, how you doing today, Frank? I'm good. He was either be wearing a bear shirt with the bear, maybe a bear cap or a Golden Knights cap, but he always came with the same demeanor. Um, how you doing today, Frank? I'm all right, Mark. How you doing? And that was kind of maybe short conversation, but it, it I look forward to talking and opening the door for Frank at 1.30. So I was kind of glad he didn't have a key, right? <laughs> had darn COVID in one yeah, key. <laughs> I was kind of glad he didn't have a key because he would always get here at 1.30. I would always be kind of waiting for him to come to the door like i knew at 130 he was like clockwork i would come and i mean he was here he was he was gonna be here and at the at the door knocking on the door he would knock twice and um just wait for somebody to come open the door and nine times out of ten it was me and so our relationship over the last couple of years i gotta tell you the couple of times that you went and maybe wasn't here and frank did the show he carried this show for you and when you wasn't here like a masterpiece i mean you wouldn't have known you wasn't here and that was just his personality and like i said having the short couple of years that i got to know him and talk to him and you know ragged on his bears and um you know just had the chance to anytime i wanted to know a stat about hockey I would go to Frank when he came in. Frank, what do you think about the game yesterday? Before you would get here, me and him would be talking hockey. And so he educated me as a kind of a new hockey person that kind of got into hockey since the nights. So for the last two years, I could call on Frank and made me seem smart because then I would go talk to Brian and I would go talk to Stevie <laughs> like I knew what I was talking about. But in, <laughs> in turn, it was really Frank mm-hmm. who kind of – gave me the ins and outs of he educated you. what to say right? yeah. when it came to hockey, what mm-hmm. questions to ask. And so we shared that little bond. And I, and I got to tell y'all all, and even now the last couple of months at one I'm waiting for him to knock on the door, you know? And so for me, that was probably one of the moments that I had to interact. And it used to be me and him. It was just him walking in me walk. He's, he's sitting at our, his desk 
I was like, Frank, that's your desk, huh? He would sit there, put his water down or put his lunch down on the desk. And it kind of had his name on it because he would walk right in and sit right there. And and so, you know, one day I said, hey, Frank, this is your desk. And, you know, when you're not here, I clean it for you. I make sure everything is nice and tidy. So when you walk in, the desk is clean. And so he had his own little desk right there. And so, you know, the opportunity just to for you uh, to bring him to this station and he could have been as well, like you could have been at any other station. And for me to have, uh, been a part of you guys and being a part of the, you know, bringing you guys here. And like I said, it, it, it not only the first opportunity that I said, Hey man, you got to do a second hour. Mm-hmm. And, um, that there showed that, you know, it, it, the love that you had for this Frank, the love that Frank had for doing what he did. And he was good at it. He wasn't just okay or wasn't, he was good as a pro at what he did. And I never seen him come in here with a whole bunch of notes. All right. I never seen him come in here with a whole bunch of stats. He he would come in here, Mark, as you know, with about three Coca-Colas and, uh, and, and that's about it. That, yeah, that was it. That's right? all he needed. And he didn't, it's almost like he had, everything mentally yes. embrained in it mm-hmm. you know like we write down notes yeah. at home we type it up when we're gonna have a, a show yeah. <laughs> right and like we looking now you right. got all your notes what i'm gonna talk and frank just talked from the heart mm-hmm. and talked about he could watch it and know every stat that you might have on the paper mm-hmm. right he will know that and that and that was the beauty of having him you know be on your show as the co-host and i always said i said if tc was gone long enough this would be the frank show mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> this could be the Frank show. Yeah. So, you know, that, that that was just a fond memory. And like I said, and listening to all the memories and, you know, the people calling in and the pleasure le- reading some of the social media posts and comments that people are leaving. Everybody had their own memory with Frank. Right. Maybe it necessarily wasn't on the air, but it was just like for me, it was opening the door. At, he was like clockwork. It was one thirty or one forty five. I will take my lunch after he got here. Mm-hmm. So I make sure he got to the, open the door for him. So at two o'clock, y'all will see me leaving. Y'all will sit here yeah. and y'all would do the show, right? Yeah. So and I would listen as I'm on my lunch. Yeah. So, um, it's it, it, the show again. It's life, and we do go and move on. But show all Frank will always have that desk, mm-hmm. and he will always have a seat at in the studio. Yeah. And uh, I've always said, even when he was sick, you know, for the past few months, I said that chair. And that headset and that microphone is yours. Yeah. And we don't let anybody else, you know, sit there. And yeah. it, it was it was ready for him to come back. And we all thought that he was gonna come back. And we were planning on him coming back. He was planning on coming back. And when we would you know, he couldn't le- really leave the house because yeah. he was going to chemo and he's back and forth, this and that. But we made sure that he still had a voice on the show, so at least once a week, you know, when he was up to it, you know, he would talk to us on the phone. And the last time we had him on, which was last week, he he sounded good. Yeah. And we all thought, okay, he's going to lick this thing. And um, and he uh, wanted to. He wanted to. He did. To. He yes. really did. But, yeah. you know, I, and like I told you, we can do this show for another two hours and I would be okay with it. Right. Because that's what Frank meant to us. Right. We could do a four hour show about Frank. Right. But it's a lifetime that we're going to continue to keep his memory. And I got to tell you, the one thing that that really separates like you would always say the real sports people from the f- pretenders right mm-hmm. that's what we call them is pretenders right. who want to come in and mm-hmm. do the show and then want to go get a podcast don't want to really do the radio but they just want to be in front of something the pros or the podcast yes right? so <laughs> frank was a real pro yes. he was a professional at what he did and that was 
his love for sports and he didn't just like one he might have had one or two names right mm-hmm. but we could have called him tennis guru we yeah. could have called him uh tennis mm-hmm. uh you know you could have had a tennis name you could have had a i even talked to him and about Olymp- soccer olympic he loved the olympics yeah he and, loved i mean yeah, so he could have yeah. had about 10 different names mm-hmm. That would have fit him to a T because this man was professional. Even when you but when you seen Frank, you'd have been like, he don't he cannot know a lot about sports, right? <laughs> if we, we we judged him on just looking at him, right? If we look at a person and go Never judge a book by the cover, right? He can't yeah. and he will sit down yeah. and give you an education about any sport you want to talk about. What what I loved about the guy is be you know, we had this bond because we had both been in radio a long time. And, I, and when I introduced you to him, when I brought him over, I said, this guy is perfect because he is a radio pro. And for us, you mentioned about him not bringing notes in. You know why? Because he didn't need to. Because whatever I had planned for that day, he knew that he could just chime in, spin off, and we would have these just effortless conversations because he loved music. He loved sports. He loved life. He loved Las Vegas. And this is a guy that if you, like for yourself, you know, people in in the radio industry, in the sports radio industry, they've known Frank for 25, 30 years here. But once you start introducing him to people outside of that, they feel like they've known him for 25 or 30 years too. Of course. Because that's how personable this guy was. And that's what I loved about him. I never had to worry about a guy that was going to blow up on me, a guy that was going to like step on me, I'm going to step on him. We had this chemistry because we had this friendship and we had these commonalities. But like you said, there was a professionalism there that I really appreciated about him because he was a true, a true radio pro, a true kind-hearted, big-hearted guy that would do anything for you. And he was dedicated to his craft, but he was also dedicated to his friends and his family. Yeah, no, and again, I, you know, you we we all here, um, you know, this is this is a family. You know, we see each other more sometimes weeks than we're at home with our own family, right? right? And so that's why I always um, make the point to say, as team, we are a team here. If we if one team may get sick or one team may may not be feeling the best. That's okay. We're going to pick him up and we're going to try to make it better. And Frank was one of those guys, even in the latter state of when we first found out, right? Mm-hmm. He continued to come. And he was like, I was like, how you feeling, Frank? Is you, nah, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm here. That's right. right? I'm here. I'm, I'm going to do the show and then I'll deal with how I feel after right. right after the show after i walk out of here i'm gonna right. get home i'm gonna be tired and exhausted mm-hmm. because he was battling and mm-hmm. and i think another you know thing is that they need they need um god needed vgk right mm-hmm. he need he need, he needed an angel that can look down and now he's gonna take care of us right and that and that's the beauty of how life because we all gonna be there right we're gonna see frank again mm-hmm. that ain't it was not you know to be sad about and for Frank, I think us celebrating him is what he would probably be saying right now. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And go Buckeyes. Yeah. <laughs> right? And go, Buckeyes, go, go Bears. Go Bears. Yeah. Right? He's up there with his Bears hat on, his Golden Knights shirt on, depending on who's playing. Right? right? He dressed for the occasion. I was like, 
oh, Bears must be playing Saturday or, or, <laughs> or Sunday or Monday because Frank got on his yeah. – oh, who playing tonight, Frank? VGK. He got on his VGK yeah. shirt, right? So he he's up in heaven, and God needed an a angel and v, VGK, mm-hmm. right, ballpark. Right. He, you, he called him home. You got it. And um, you talk about a teammate. It could not be a better teammate. He was a great teammate uh, for me. And we lost a great teammate last weekend. Uh, may he rest in peace. Uh, and I appreciate uh, you, Mark, uh, again, yeah. giving us the opportunity uh, to give, have our daily forum here for two hours and uh, what everything that uh, transpired uh, you know, today and the last year and a half with Frank. And, um, again, we, we appreciate it. I appreciate our listeners. I appreciate you. And, uh, yeah. and, and thanks for the forum, my friend. And I appreciate your thoughts and your love uh, yeah. for a guy that, like I said, you, you knew for a short time, but yeah. it seemed like it was a long time. Oh, yeah. And that's the effect. And you hit the nail on the head. That's the effect that he has on people. So, yeah. And, and like I said, and last, before I get out of here, he, he again, and his smile. I mean, mm-hmm. like a lot of people, you know, Frank, you can, if you look... He will give you that every now and then. He'll give you a good little smile with a wink or something, or look at you. And and he, even though everything that was going on, he definitely made an impression on me. After you know a couple of years, again, he was a teammate. He was a starter. Absolutely. <laughs> so, but okay, star, TC. Thanks, man. And like I said, we you like you said, we lost the starter, but hey. He's 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 not too far. You got it. He's not too far, and we'll 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 see him again. And whatever we have to do together collectively, let we keep his memory alive. You know, and that's that's the best thing we can do is just make sure we as a station, as a group, our teammates, is we make sure to remember Frank. You know, as regularly as possible. And uh, that is definitely a mission, and will be, and always has been, even when he hasn't been with us these last few months. Uh, he's still been part of the show, and his legacy will continue, and uh, we'll continue to carry it on, you know, during the show. And we'll continue hearing from people in the coming days, and uh, we will continue to hear sound bites from Ballpark Frank as well. Mark, I appreciate you, my man. Anytime. I appreciate everyone for joining us today. You can hear this back under the podcast section on the website at tcmartinshow.com. Again, appreciate everyone for joining us here today. Uh, whether they were a guest, whether they were a listener or a friend, we appreciate you. And we're going to let Ballpark Frank sign us off today. Join us again tomorrow, 2 to 4, right here, T.C. Martin Show. You can check out all the interviews, the articles, photographs, all at tcmartinshow.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great night. T.C. Martin Show. Check it out, tcmartinshow.com.